Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of the RF Generation Collector Cast. As always, I am your host, Mr. Duke Togo, and joining me is a man that, uh, just like me, will soon be entering fatherhood, uh, Mr. Wild Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey. Well, I'll be entering. You'll be expanding your portfolio. <laughs> my, yeah, my collection will be growing. <laughs> yes. Mint. Uh, but uh, we were just kind of chatting at that. We were both kind of gearing up, right? Yeah. You picking that one up day one? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, uh, I've already. That's a day, that's a day one for I've me. I've pre-ordered. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all ready for delivery. And, and de- yeah, depending on the circumstances, uh, uh, I think uh, I think he may break the release, the uh, uh, street date. <laughs> I'm just hoping I don't have to wait past street date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I actually, I think they don't. Let's. I guess it depends on the doctor, but I don't, like they told us they won't let us. Oh, really? Yeah, they they told us. Uh, they said we used to let people go to like forty two or whatever. Uh-huh. They're like, we don't let you get past forty anymore. Oh, they're gonna go straight to C section. Is that it? Uh, I think they start trying to induce. Oh, induction. Okay, right. Yeah. Ooh. But like, yeah, because uh, like the the bigger you get, then you know, do you, it it becomes a size thing. So right, let me let me just mention that uh, if it turns to induction. Man, just good luck. <laughs> make it make your wife a little cranky. Yeah, um, and I and I, you know, being ignorant on the whole process, I thought that because you know people say like, oh, like yeah, we have a, a scheduled uh, you know thing. I mean, obviously, a C section happens when it happens, but sure. I kind of always thought induction was like there's a magic drug and then it starts. But <laughs> it's but no, it's like here we're gonna give you this and maybe something will happen. Like within a day yeah. or two, and you, or three, and your and your wife probably will not feel really great during the whole process. <laughs> yeah, we're we're giving her we're giving her things to make her feel awful and expel something out of her. <laughs> right. So uh, well, uh, so I imagine by the next time we have this episode, very well, one or both of us may may uh, be on the other end of this thing. So yeah, definitely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I God, I would hope so. I would hope by the next one that uh, that is a reality. Yeah, you never know, I guess. Uh, but we'll we'll find out pretty soon. Uh, yeah. And so I well maybe if the next episode takes a little longer to get out, you can cut us some slack and you'll understand yeah. why. <laughs> or if you don't mind the background noise. That's true. Well, yeah, that maybe we'll have to interrupt a few times or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll all be by the magic of editing. You won't know what happened. But it'll take like nine hours to record. <laughs> right. We'll just do it over the process of a week or something. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, you know, at, at, just like before, Krabby still is, man, he's getting pounded with work. So, unfortunately, still not yeah. able to, to be here. Yeah, no, we we, we, uh, we were hoping to uh, maybe try to find, like, you know, some free time that worked out. Um, and he's uh, sorry to sorry to miss uh, the recording, but uh, uh, we got to get him uh, back on a nice, uh, generous uh, work-play balance. Yeah, so. poor guy's hammering himself into the ground. So um, I'll just say I'm not exactly sure when Krabby will be able to rejoin us, um, but hopefully things in his schedule will lighten up here at some point in time, and he can, uh, he can come back and talk to us a little bit.
All right, well, everybody, we wanted to take this uh, opportunity to have kind of a different kind of show. Obviously, most of the time we spend a lot, um, you know, hence the name of the show, uh, time talking about collecting. But, you know, we are actually gamers. Um, I don't, Bill, I, I know when we can, we like to scrape a little time away, right? Uh, definitely. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, and I've kind of been telling myself not to, you know, be too, too heavy on the baby theme or anything, but I, I keep telling myself that, you know, you better get it in now. <laughs> uh, you, you bet. I mean, we better do a lot of things now, but, uh, um, but yeah, like I've been really trying to, uh, you know, strike a nice balance between, uh, you know, finding, you know, that time to play because, uh, you know, you're not always going to have it. So, um, I actually have found that, uh, and we talked about before, like gaming versus collecting. Um, and sometimes when you get so, you know, focused on the collecting, which is not a bad thing, you just end up not playing as much just because you're spending more time, you know, researching games, like, you know, shopping on forums, stuff like that. So I kind of find that I'm, uh, I'm often one or the other. I'm often like, oh, I'm a collector this week and I'm a gamer this week. You know, I can find the time. So, uh, this is kind of like a little conversation we're going to have about some of the, uh, the great gaming experiences we've had in the last year or so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody does their top, you know, whatever, uh, of 2013. And, uh, you know, I think we want to take it a little bit differently because being gamers that play over a wide spectrum of classic games, new games, um, we're going to offer what we thought the best games were we played in 2013, regardless of when they were released. So what was great for us during the year? And that way, you know, you're going to get a little bit of the new we're going to talk about why we enjoyed them. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the old stuff that we might have played that we really enjoyed as well. And um, uh, we'll also maybe talk a little bit about some of the disappointments of 2013 that we had a little yeah. bit later. But, um, and I, I also thought that would be a really cool way to help because one of my big things that I'm always looking at when I sit down to play a game, it, the, the question is usually, okay, you look at the backlog and you say, okay, like what? do I play now? Cause I got to get this game off the backlog. So we thought kind of like by sharing uh, maybe older things we've played, it can maybe encourage you to, you know, if you have that game on your backlog to maybe fire it up if it's worth it for you. Yeah. Or maybe chase down those ones that you don't have yet. Um, yep. So uh, what we'll start off is we've got a couple different categories here and, and I thought um, we could start off with just, just kind of the basic kind of doing our top five games that we played in 2013, more of a, style, you know, like what what we really enjoyed the most and, and kind of taking it from, you know, five and then leading up to number one for each of these. So, um, so Bill, well, let's just start off. What did you have for your number five for 2013? All right. So I, I, I will say, even though we are going to be talking about some classic games, um, I will say that most of the time when I sit down to play something, it is something, you know, current gen or very recent because I, you know, I have a lot of kind of current games on the backlog. Um, and like everyone else who makes one of these, it's very difficult to rank them. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to surprise and probably disappoint a few people by placing this game this low. Uh, but I really enjoyed The Last of Us. Riff, number five, really? Well, I, number this, five. I haven't, so I haven't played this one because, um, my PlayStation 3 no longer needs to play Blu-ray. So I, it just sits there. Yeah. Um, no. but tell me, I mean, I, I hear a lot of hype about this game. A lot of people saying game of the year. So, yeah. so tell me about last of us. Yeah. I, I would not argue with anybody saying game of the year. I know fleets loves this game. It's actually the current, uh, uh, uh I believe for March. So, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be the current, uh, uh, current gen playthrough on RF gen. Um, so you want to check the thread out there and play with them. Okay. So, um, 
everyone is probably already familiar, but quick, uh, uh, quick summary. It's a Naughty Dog game, so you know the Uncharted, uh, uh, Uncharted guys on PS3. Um, it's a, <clears throat> it's a, it's it's similar to Uncharted in that it's like a narrative-driven uh, uh, game with you know just the absolute best performances from uh, uh, actors, both you know live performances and voice acting uh, that you'll see in any game. Um, I really, I really, you know, there's really no one that comes close to, uh, the performances, except maybe if you count like something like, uh, another game we're going to talk about in a bit, but even that game is just, uh, uh, the voices are fantastic, but there's not really performance capture happening. Anyway, getting too granular. So The Last <laughs> of Us is the, the, the journey of, uh, these, uh, two individuals, uh, Joel and, uh, Ellie who there's been this kind of this big cataclysm, this, uh, um, you know, kind of like virus has, uh, uh, kind of spread across uh, the nation. There's it's, it's infected most of the population and they're really just trying. It's hard not giving any spoilers away. Cause there's like, you know, story elements that I don't want to give away at all. Sure, sure. Um, but, but in a nutshell, the two of you are, you know, moving together across America, trying to find help, for this, uh, uh, you know, uh, thing that's happened. Um, so what's great about it is, uh, and it's, it's weird because when I first heard about this game, like I'm not really a survival horror guy. I really don't like feeling like, you know, tense and like, you know, uneasy when I'm playing things. Uh, and this isn't like, kind of like it's, it's very, very stealthy. Um, they, they really, really, really encourage you to play uh, stealthily. It's not like a lot of games will have you, okay, well, you can run and gun if you want to, you can sell if you want to. Uh, if you run and gun, you're just not going to last very long. You'll get overwhelmed very easily. The game does an amazing job teaching you at how vulnerable you are. Uh, there's this segment very early in the game where you're with a few people and, you, and your, your character, by no choice of yours, says, okay, stay here. I need to go take care of these guys real quick. So, like, okay, and you go down there, and no matter what difficulty you have it on, you're going to die 15 times. <laughs> and at first, you start getting frustrated, like, oh, this is not the kind of game I want to play. But they did this, they absolutely did this on purpose. Because you play through this section like 10, 15 times, and this section has the three basic types of infected you're going to come across. And you learn how to recognize them, you learn how to fight each one, you learn kind of like what your like, you know, boundaries are, how close you can get to them without alerting them. You know, can they see you? Can they not see you? <clears throat> you know, where should I use my weapons? Cause there, there are, there's the, the environment is, is littered with like bricks and bottles and things you can pick up and throw and distract, uh, uh, you know, uh, guys and get by them. Um, but you really need to know how to use uh, these environments. Um, and once you learn how to do that, the game is sublime. Just like you, like the, you, there's so many games when you're loving exploring so much and you're loving the narrative and you're loving just walking around and then a whole bunch of enemies show up and you have to fight them and you're like, oh, <laughs> I really wish I could just keep exploring, keep doing this stuff. The clearing areas out, it, it's so tense, but at the same time, it's so fun that when you kind of get to an area where you have to clear it out, you're almost looking around like, all right, how am I going to do this? And uh it it really has a, a much different feel than uh, most other games because everything just feels so human about it. Like even when you like, there's a lot of times when you have to kill an uh an like an infected by sneaking up behind them and just you know strangling them. Uh, and uh, the way you do, you know, you just you know 
you have to be very careful because they can hear you. So you have to sneak up behind them. You know, you hit your grapple button and the camera kind of turns around and shows like the facial expression of both your character and the person you're strangling and the way that your face looks and the way that they're like batting their hands at you, like, and, and the sounds they're making, like, yeah, it's an enemy, it's an infected, but like, you really get the sense, like I'm murdering a person. Mm. It's, and, and not a lot of games really kind of, you know, even when you're, you're shooting a million people, but like, this game is one of the only ones I've played that really you feel like every single, you know, death you cause, you really feel not good about it. Yeah. Uh, and there's portions of the game where things happen to you when you have to kill someone and you do feel good about it. And the game makes you feel bad that you just felt good about it. Um, it's, it's an incredibly human story. And the way that the game makes you feel while you're playing it is not something I've experienced on any, any other game. Uh, I, I do think that a lot of people get caught up with the story. Um, more, but even though the gameplay is fantastic, I do think the story and the characters and the acting is what puts this game over the top. But that's not to say that the gameplay isn't uh, phenomenal. And uh, it is something that, uh, uh, you know, anyone says, you know, a lot of people are, see, are, are even saying best game on PS3. And uh, I mean, it's a matter of opinion, so I wouldn't argue with them. Um, it's a phenomenal experience. So let me ask, I mean, obviously I've never played the game, but, you know, I've heard a few slight criticisms, and so maybe we can uh, address those a little bit. Um, sure. Number one, uh, the criticism I heard is that, like, you are often with, like, a partner character or something. Is that right? Uh, I want to say the entire game except for small segments. And the complaint I heard was that while you are bound to certain rules in terms of how the enemies react, that the partner character you're with is somehow not bound to those same rules? It depends. Um, for for the vast majority of the game, you control Joel and Ellie, you know, is with you. And uh, uh, so what happens is, you know, if you're in, if, if you're kind of like ducked behind cover, um, the enemy cannot see you. Um, Ellie is not she, she's kind of like her own separate uh, character. And sometimes she's kind of like walking near you, around you. She's standing up like there are times that where you're like, OK, that enemy should see her and they don't and it it kind of like there are times when like it kind of like uh kind of takes you out of the moment like that right i was gonna say does um, it break the illusion for you it, i mean like never enough for me that uh, uh that it was a major issue um the and and it actually gets better later in the game i don't know if it was on purpose but there's uh, later in the game there are other partners that you have who, uh, and ellie's not normally armed um she she's normally you know just kind of like there you know, as an extra character, like you give her some ammo sometimes, but um, later in the game, when the partner you're with has a weapon, um, they are visible, you know, to an enemy, even if they're, you know, like if, you, if you're in stealth mode and they'll just start like firing. So sometimes you're like, oh, I really didn't want you to <laughs> start doing that. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know what? That that could have happened. You know, like you're with someone, you're in this situation, they get seen. Crap. Now the bullets start flying, but uh, yeah, ne never enough to uh, never enough that I uh, like I noticed it, but it absolutely wasn't a thing that I was like, oh well, that's too bad. Okay, and then the other thing would be like that. Um, this is kind of like your zombie Walking Dead show without zombies. Is that kind of the same vibe? Yeah, uh, I I can't tell you how 
the opposite it okay. is. Okay, all right. Um, the, it, and I and I felt the same thing. Like uh, I, I think the industry. I don't want to say the industry. Like a lot of people love zombies. A lot of people love Walking Dead. Um, it's been huge for years in all aspects of uh, uh, of media. Um, and I think the first thing that people said when uh, Naughty Dog announced, like, oh, The Last of Us, and it's here's what it's about. I think a lot of people were kind of like, ugh, another thing, like, just like this. Right, yeah. And and it really, really couldn't be further okay, from that. Good. Um, it's uh, uh, because a lot of things have that, like, you know, just another zombie. Right. Run. And and they've they've i don't know how to say it other than like the way they've humanized these uh infected um like because with with zombies like i kind of i really feel like the zombie it's like okay it's like the mindless thing going after you know like trying to eat people the stages of this infection and how they explain like how it attaches to like the brain stem and how it spreads um the way they go through that and the way the different levels of infected behave and the way they sound it 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 you really feel like when you see something and i never really felt this and i don't really feel this in a lot of other games i never really see something and think like oh that's uh that's that's a human that became a monster i just think that's a monster in this game you like you really see these things and you think like oh, oh he's been infected for so long and uh it's it's got yeah it doesn't really have a zombie vibe to me like most of the things you're fighting look very much human um so it doesn't really uh kind of hit me like with uh with like the you know the kind of spin-off uh, type vibe sure i think the last thing i'd bring up too is that you know there's been discussion about like the violence and kind of you know everything that's it's pretty graphic game from what i understand is that correct v- very much so yeah. yeah um and uh uh but they, they they strike this uh this odd balance but i mean like most of the intense extreme violence is not inflicted by you it's when you are killed okay um so it's very there, there's uh, there's again i'm trying to give like as few details sure, yeah, about the sure. game out as possible but there are there are certain infected who uh and they're common in the game that it does not matter what you do if they get you you're dead and the reason they do that is you know obviously to, to introduce like some tension in the game and you do have kind of like the ability to there are weapons that are kind of like not one hit kills, but like, you know, if you get grabbed by one of these specific types, you do have like a like a, a small inventory of these things that you can like, OK, crap, like stick this in his face and try to get away as quickly as you can. Um, but uh, there's really not a whole lot of violence on your part. But if one of these things grabs you, gets its teeth in you and pulls, I mean, there are there are there are things coming off and out of you like as you die. Oh, and it's, it's it's very graphic. Um, so, and I, and I don't think that's, and I really think that's done more to give you that like, kind of like tense feel as you're playing. Like, it's not just that you don't want to start the area again. Like you don't want your neck ripped out of your throat. Like when, you know, like if you walk around this turn too quickly. So the, you feel like the violence is there and has a purpose. Yes. Uh, It's, I really feel like everything in the game, honestly, like everything in the game that happens, I really feel like there was someone who, you know, looked at that and said, okay. Why are we doing this, and can we make it have more of an impact in the way that we want it to? Uh, everything feels deliberate, which is amazing. Well, good. All right. Well, um, what? And 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 the last thing I'll say about yeah. it, it is uh, uh, if you're familiar with the Uncharted series, it was surprisingly long. Uh, last of Us. Um, I want to see the Uncharted games, depending on them, clocked in between like you know seven and thirteen hours, depending. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say Last of Us took me like twenty twenty one hours. 
Um, so it's, it's, you know, for the kind of like, you know, narrative driven, like single player experience that it is, um, I feel like you don't normally get that type of game without like much emotional depth at that length. So, uh, you really do kind of get a lot for your money there. And, uh, uh, always, uh, always, uh, uh, good to see a great game, have a new game plus mode. So, uh, is that basically starting with your supplies and going through it again or does it actually change anything or yep uh no yeah I, I think it's just yeah starting with your starting with your inventory and i believe you're uh because it's impossible to get all the upgrades ah, in okay. one playthrough yeah. um so as you continue to find you know like more of the supplies you need to upgrade like both weapons and uh uh like your abilities mm-hmm. um and the, the really cool thing for that is because most people aren't going to play through on the hardest difficulty at first right. so it actually kind of like is like a difficulty balancing thing where uh, you could play through once on easy or normal, go and then new game plus, and then up the difficulty. You're going to be more powerful, and you're going to know the game better. So it's I I feel like that's deliberate too. Good, well, very good. Well, I'm, you know, I hear so much buzz around this. Part of my brain thinks, boy, you know, I got to really play this here at some point in time. And and who knows, maybe I will. Maybe I'll get back to that one. But maybe maybe you'll hear me talk about it this time if we do yeah. this again next year. Yeah, it's really good. Good. Um, well, I'm going to start off uh, my number five by going backwards in time quite a bit um, and pick <laughs> up one of the games that we did um, in one of our monthly playthroughs over RF Gen, and that's Streets of Rage 2. And um, I, I, one of the reasons that this had to be in my top five is I beat this game probably three, four times throughout the year, and not just because <laughs> of the part of that playthrough. It's just because one of the ones um, I love to go back and through. So... Uh, I imagine a lot of people are familiar with the game, but just for those that aren't, um, back on the Sega Genesis, uh, Streets of Rage 2 um, is kind of a side-scrolling beat-em-up in the vein of a Final Fight uh, or or other games. They were really popular at the time. And um, you can pick one of three characters, well, all with kind of their own stats, which is kind of your standard stuff. And it's uh, it's a very solid game with really tight controls, the graphics are really amazing, and the sound, um, the music is just some of the best, I think, that you can get. Not only maybe on the Sega Genesis, maybe on 16-bit consoles, period. Um, I know a lot of people trash Genesis Audio versus Super Nintendo Audio, but... Um, which which I still don't understand. Uh, I don't either, uh, but I think th- this one can stand up there. I don't care what title you're talking about on 16-bit machines. It's fantastic. The um, the premise of the story is, uh, you know, it doesn't have to whole, have a whole lot to it. Um, you know, in the first time, first game, you're kind of going up against this um, big boss guy that's, I think it was like Mr. X is the bad guy in that. So in the first game, you know, you're going through to defeat Mr. X, and I don't even exactly, he's like threatening the city or something. <laughs> uh, you know, something really generic, right? Hmm. And uh, in the second one, he has actually kidnapped... Um, Axel, um, not Axel, but what's the, uh, man, I can't remember his name. One of the guys from the first game, he's he's kidnapped them. So the other guys are like, okay, you know, uh, they were going to go and we're going to rescue them, but you get some more characters. Even. Actually, it was four, right? Because you could do Max and you could do Skate and mm-hmm. Blaze and Axel. So, you know, you, you can choose your character out of this four, and they really all play pretty differently. So you get some really nice variety. I mean, you've got Axel, who's kind of the your standard kind of brawler. Um, Blaze is, is the quick female character with a lot of acrobatic moves. Um, Max is the you know the giant wrestler beefy guy. Um, I hardly ever use him, but he's got some pretty neat attacks. 
And then Skate is this little tiny kid on rollerblades, which, you know, again, it's the 90s, right? With his hat turns around backward. And uh, and he is really fast, but, of course, very weak. And I'll be honest, I never play with Skate either. Um, but you, have, you get your standard moves, you get your punches, your kicks, your, um, you know, your jumps. One of the things I always loved about these games is kind of the grappling moves that you've got. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can hit guys and then you can stun them a little bit. You walk up to them and you can grapple. And when you grapple, you have a couple different things you can choose to do. You know, you can kind of punch them a little bit. You can um, just do a throw. You know, you can flip over behind them and then, you know, depending on where your character's moving, like suplex them or whatever you want to do. And so that's a lot of the strategy, too, is kind of getting guys... Uh, but it also makes you vulnerable because if there's some other enemies that are around there, you know, while you're grappling, they can come up and, and get you and uh, cause some damage. And they can also come up and grapple you so they can kind of team against that. And if you're playing two players simultaneous, you can use these kind of co-op techniques where you're kind of grappling and flipping off of each other to damage the enemies, which a lot of fun to play this with friends. And, uh, you know, you also have some special moves that you can do. So the characters have kind of a double tap attack move that's a little more powerful that you can perform kind of to your heart's content. And then they have one kind of special move button where you can really pull off one that's going to devastate. And um, even that one has a little variety to it. So like with Axel, you know, if he's um, he's got one where he can just do like a flurry of punches uh, or he's got one where he can do this big roundhouse dragon thing that will just kind of knock guys down. So kind of depending on the situation. So a big variety of moves and things that you can do with it. And, um, and the stages are really varied. You know, you kind of, for some reason, I don't, I can never understand why, but <laughs> you know, you're starting off at your kind of standard city stuff. You, you, you kind of go through, but I mean, eventually you get to like what is essentially Disneyland, right? Right. <laughs> you're kind of going through, it's like, okay, this is Disneyland. And it, you go through, like, parts of Disneyland, like, so there's, like, a pirate's thing, and there's, like, for some reason, some weird alien land that's inside of Disney World. And then eventually you get to uh, some baseball park, which is the secret entrance to the bad guy lair, um, for some reason, takes you down into the ground <laughs> a million feet. And uh, and eventually, though, you get to the mansion, of course, where Mr. X is, and um, and you fight. And uh, so some of the bosses are really challenging. You really have to know kind of some strategies to get around them or they'll really let you have it. And I think they just took a, everything that was really great in Streets of Rage 1 and they just amped it up. The graphics are, are better. Like the, the characters are better. The music's fantastic. The special moves and the move set has grown a lot um, in this game. And it's just one that I don't care how many. I can't probably count how many times I've played this one throughout my life. I don't care. Every time I could just stick that game in now, anytime, and I don't care. I'm good. I'm going to play. Um, I just, it's a fantastic game and I can't recommend it enough. And, you know, um, just having that playthrough a month of Streets of Rage really gave me just another opportunity to highlight what a good game that is. So that's my number five. Yeah, let me ask you about... Uh, uh... The, um, what do you call it? The, uh, would you call it like the dragon punch special move? Well, he's got a couple, right? You're talking about the one where he like spins all around with kind of like the flaming dragon? Where he kind of, uh, it almost, like, yeah, that like flaming, uh, kind of dragon, like it almost looks like a dragon's like coming off his yeah, arm when he's yeah, doing the punch. Uh-huh. Yeah. What about? <clears throat> so is that, are you, are you talking the, uh, uh, like when you look through this, what do you see as far as like uh, 
How do you compare this to like the other brawlers? Is this your top brawler of all of them? Yeah, it has to be. I mean, I and mm-hmm. I like the I, I really like this genre. I'll sit down, I'll play a final fight, I'll play the other Streets of Rage games. Um, but yeah, this one I would say is is my top. Probably second would maybe be Final Fight Sega CD, which is really good. But yeah, I love these kind of games. They're great. They're fantastic. Do you think it gets enough credit compared to the other brawlers? Like uh, uh, Double Dragon Neon just saw a release, I think it was last year. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Double Dragon's great. Don't get me wrong. Really enjoyed that series as well. Um, I think for some reason it just seems to have a little more lasting power, that and Final Fight, because obviously Capcom, still they still throw those characters into the Street Fighter series, so they, they live on for sure. Um, for some reason that I just can't understand, Sega has just let that, They've let so many good franchises just go fallow. I mean, it's like, you know, eh, we just going to give up. Uh, and I don't know <laughs> if they just don't have the creative creativity to put it together. I mean, like, yeah, like you said, like, look at Double Dragon Neon, right? It's just the same sort of thing, just amped up and released on new consoles. I mean, they could completely yeah. do. And, I mean, look, Capcom did. There was, a, well, there was a final fight, you know, on 360 and PS3, right, that they mm-hmm. did. So, yeah, I think it's a shame. It's a big... Uh, missed opportunity, I think, but uh, what do I know? I guess I don't work at Sega. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, very cool. All right, so that's uh, so we both got uh, our number five. Yeah, yeah. I got I got something a little bit newer. You got something a little bit uh, older. Um, I'm gonna kind of throw a little bit of a wrench in there, uh, and I'm and I'm gonna throw an iOS game in for my number four. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. So yeah, that's not even <laughs> what an iOS um, game. It's also available on Android and Steam. Um, but I believe the touch versions are the best versions of this game. And the reason I'm putting it at number four, um, I, I already know I'm going to get crap for putting this in front of Last of Us, but, you know, Bill, I'm Bill, just... I'm, I'm going to punch you if you say Flappy Bird. No, it's not Flappy Bird. <laughs> I didn't play Flappy Bird. I heard about it after it was like, oh, you can't have this anymore. So um, the reason I'm putting Super Hexagon at number four is and it's it has nothing to do with if I think it's a better game than Last of Us. It's just you know the way I rank wow. them. Uh, Super Hexagon is a game that I read about on a I think like a top ten game list uh, maybe two years ago, three years ago, um, and uh, I had never heard of it. And it was on iOS and it made like this top ten list, and I'm like wow, like and it was it's sandwiched in between console games, and I was like, it's got to be great. So I didn't even look at what it was. I just and I never I don't usually buy iOS games. So I went to the Apple Store. I found Super Hexagon. I downloaded it. I paid for now, it. I didn't even look at it. Now first. How much is Super Hexagon? Um, at the time it was three dollars. So I don't imagine it would be more than that now. Okay. All right. So three bucks, um, which seems like a lot when you hear how simple it is. Um, but I promise I've spent more time on this game. Uh, than anything else on my iPad or iPhone in the last uh, two or three years. Um, and the, the weird thing about it is the very first time I played it, uh, you die after like a second and a half. Um, and then and then I'm like, wait, what just happened? And I thought, like the, I, thought the, I thought the game made a mistake. And I was like, okay, like that was a weird little crash. And then it came up again and I died again. And I was like, wait a minute, is this the game? This is way too hard. I can't do this. So, it took my $3. Um, yeah, so I was like, ah, oh, th- that's my first thought was, ah, oh, $3, <laughs> that's too bad. Um, so in a nutshell, um, uh, <clears throat> Super Hexagon is a game where you control a tiny 
little triangle um, that when you press your you know finger on the left side of the screen, that tiny triangle rotates uh, in the center of the screen uh, to the left or counterclockwise. If you hold down your thumb on the right side of the screen, he rotates uh, you know the other way uh, or clockwise. So basically, you can control the direction that this goes, you know, either clockwise or counter. And what's happening is there's kind of like this hexagon, um, you know, kind of like grid that you're kind of on. And there are kind of a, a, like barriers are coming towards you. And many times, so, and even though there's like six sides, uh, there might be, you know, like a barrier might be coming towards you. And it's, uh, and it's, uh, you know, five of the six hexagon sides and they're coming at you. So there's only one side that you can get to that you can be safe or else it's going to hit you. So all you're trying to do is avoid all of these things coming at you. Um, it doesn't it, like it kind of sounds like Tempest when I describe it to people, but it's really no, not. not. You're yeah, not when going... you told me about this first, and you're like, "Oh, you have to go look at this game," and I have still haven't played it, but I watched a video mm-hmm. of it, and I don't know how on earth you can accurately portray what this yeah, is. It's, I mean, it's it's really difficult to explain this and then have someone have a good mental picture of what it is. Um, but if you were to go to YouTube and search like Super Hexagon and watch it for five seconds, you'd be like, yeah, he's explaining it as best as he can <laughs> <laughs> without showing you what it looks like. So in a nutshell, like the first level, it's called uh, Hexagon, which is hard. So you literally die after like a second or two. And then after playing it for like a few minutes, you're okay, you're in like the five to seven to ten seconds. But like you're really, really not lasting long at all. Um, and the, the goal is to get to 60 seconds and that beats the level. And then you get to go on the next level, which is hexagoner, which is very hard. Then once you get to 60 seconds on that, you get to hexagonist, which is, uh, like super hard. And that's the last level in the game. And actually, if you beat each of the, if you get past 60 seconds in each one, it opens up the hyper, uh, version of the level, which is just twice as fast. Um, and it's the, the reason I think the game is so brilliant, um, is because it's not even like a, a lot of people say like oh you can pick up this game and you can play for five seconds and it's fun and you can put it away, um, it is that, but at the same time, uh, it's 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 so amazing how tight the controls like it, once you get a feel for exactly how long you have to hold on each side of the screen to get the your your your, your guy to move exactly where you want him to, and then you start figuring out the nuances because it's not just like the whole board is just like everything's just coming at the center. The entire board is rotating at the same time. Yeah, yeah it's something so, to see, that's for sure. So like the entire thing's rotating. And the thing is, if you are turning your guy in the same way the board is rotating, you move slightly faster because it's it's almost like you're on this board. And if you move the other way, it's as if you're fighting the motion so it's slightly slower. Um, and you get to a point where you're, where you become so good at this that not only do you see where all the openings are and like you can kind of see two, three moves out because you're like, okay, I can see. And you have to, you almost have to like pull your head back and be able to see with your peripheral vision, the X, the like the perimeter of the screen and know, even if you don't see the opening, if you see covers everywhere else, you're like, well, I know the opening's there, even though I can't see it because everything else is covered. And you start picking these little things out and you start thinking, okay, well, I know it's there, but since the screen is rotating to the right, even though it's closer to the left, I'm going to rotate right because that's the direction I'm going. And that entire process in your, in your head happens in like a 10th of a second. (laughs) 
And I'm not usually a Twitch gamer at all. I'm not a, I'm not a bullet hell guy. I'm not a like, you know, let's see if I can like, you know, be like super, you know, twitchy with this game. I'm really not. This is just one of those things that somehow like, you know, for some reason, like meshed with my brain and this game that I never thought I'd be able to last, you know, more than like five, 10, 15 seconds in, I have beaten the regular, uh, sorry, the hard, the very hard and the extremely hard level. And I've gotten over a hundred seconds uh, on all three of them. And it is a, uh, it is, it is one of the coolest reviews I read for it. They said it's, it's pinched to zoom in its simplicity because you look at it and you, you play it for a few minutes and you, you understand everything about the game. There's nothing that's hidden. It's, it's all right there. You know exactly what you have to do. You're just not good at it yet. <laughs> right. And, and you just, and you just keep playing it and playing it and playing it. And it takes a long time. But once you break that barrier, you'll find yourself, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 seconds into this game, almost not even like your fingers and your brain are just reacting to what's happening. And you find yourself in this zone where you start looking around like, like, I have no idea what my brain is doing right now, but it is like getting through little passages in this game that like, it doesn't seem like it should be possible, but uh, it's, it's a phenomenal game. Um, I don't think it holds up quite. It is available on Steam for less than a couple bucks where you press, you know, the left and right on the uh, keyboard mm -hmm. for the same effect on the screen. It, it really doesn't feel the same for me. Um, I'm not as good at it that way. It might just be because I'm so used to playing it uh, on touch, but uh, I, I defy anyone, anyone I know to beat any of my super hexagon scores. <laughs> oh, the challenge because, is out there. Because you can't do it. And I'm not like, I'm not that cocky. You can't beat me guy. This is the game you can't beat me at. All right. Well, hey, guys, just, um, you know, you know how to get a hold of us. Um, at, yeah. <laughs> at, ask for Bill's uh, Game Center or whatever uh, thing so you can you can yep. look for him on a leaderboard. Yeah, I want I want non-modified screenshots if you think you got the uh, got the chops. <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's probably got Game Center integration or whatnot, right? It does. And and it. And it Funny story, it usually screws me. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, now here we go. Because I, I fire the game up, and when you fire the game up, I'll do it right now. Because I have my thing right here. So you fire the game up, and my wife hates, hates when I play this game. <laughs> um, first of all, because I normally play, like we're laying in bed, she's like trying to read. And I'm like, hey, honey, guess what? And she's like, what? And then... <laughs> Super hexagon. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's also got. Uh, actually, I wonder if I can play it just real quick, and you can. I, hear I was going to say you've awesome got to do, you've is. got to talk about the sound. The music is amazing. So I will play you my. This is the hardest level. So I'll see if I can last long enough so you can hear the music. It's got this really awesome like eight bit kind of DJed. Uh, I don't know if I'm using the right uh, words, but it's it's almost like a techno club like eight bit like weird dance party. Yeah, Here, yeah, check it out. I'm going to die on purpose so we don't stay here all night. Now, when you go and play this game, you're going to be like, how did he last that long? <laughs> um, it's really fast. It's really awesome. I love the music. And a lot of people I know don't play mobile, uh, iOS, uh, you know, I iPad games. They don't play them with sound on. Um, and I normally don't, too. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same in the same boat. I always turn the volume on for this game because the music is fantastic. 
Yeah, I, 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 like I said, I haven't played this yet, but I kind of watched your video, uh, a video of it after you kind of talked to me about it, and I can see, I could, I can see the uh, addiction because <laughs> it's one of those yeah, things I where actually, it's so actually, uh, uh, simple. Your brain goes, "Oh, this is so simple," but it's very yeah, hard and, to master, right? It takes you a long time to get it, and once you get it, you just become that guy. Like, oh, I want to show this to everybody. I want everyone to experience. Like, uh, actually, Rusty Man was over at my house, uh, and we were just uh, hanging out, and they said, "Hey." Play Super Hexagon, and and saying that he died within a few seconds, and then I told him like some secrets, and I was like, okay, like do this, this, and this, and he lasted like ten or twelve seconds, and then he kept going at it, and he's like, this guy's really cool, and I was like, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't steer you wrong, and uh, just a side note, because I haven't mentioned it yet, it was designed by uh, an excellent indie designer named Terry Cavanaugh, who is also the uh, man behind V V V V V V. Oh man. Which is on uh, uh, it's on PC. Uh, it's uh, DRM free. That game's mean. Um, yeah, that game's awesome. Um, and what was that? There was an NES homebrew that someone did like uh, a Kavanaugh tribute level. I think um, in some parts of Battle Kid, kind of similar to that. I, I think that's what it was. And even when you start playing Battle Kid, it's like. Uh, Oh, like Operation Kavanaugh has uh, has commenced, and it's like okay, well, at least they gave him credit because that's to- it's totally his concept they used in that section. Um, but yeah, VVVVVV, separate game, but also worth checking out. It actually got ended up got po- gotten ported to the uh, uh, 3DS eShop, and that's where Rustling Man plays uh, it. Uh, well, when the NES port comes out, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not far behind. Yeah. Now, the thing to, to me in seeing this is, is this is one of those games where I, I look at it and go, you know, this they could have made this game in 1981 with vector graphics. I mean, this is not yeah, something I that mean, it, needs modern tech to be a game. It's just pure, simple gameplay, right? Right. I mean, like, when we've had this discussion before, and initially I said, like, I really don't think it could have been made on something like the 2600. Um, but, uh, I, I really think I was thinking more along the lines of like some of like, uh, the color effects that happen and some of like the fading from one to the other. And obviously like, you know, the, you know, the frame rate, uh, I, I believe it, it runs, uh, uh, I mean, it looks like it runs just about as smooth as anything I've seen on iOS. So but my thought would I don't be know like, if... you know, uh, like a Tempest style vector game. You could completely yeah. recreate the gameplay. Absolutely. Yeah. The gameplay could absolutely have been done. Could you put a spinner? And a vector monitor up there. Uh, and it, here it's you could you absolutely could do that. I don't think I'd enjoy the game at all with a spinner. Gotcha. It need be, need to be I, buttons to rotate, huh? And and like I'm I'm telling you, like holding your finger on the left or, or right side, like it does like. And I I don't usually and it's uh, uh I don't usually like you know like oh I have to like you know press my thumb on the screen or whatever, um. I, I really can't explain it. Your brain gets to a point where it knows exactly how long it has to hold there as opposed to like if I was twisting a spinner, um, I always feel like I'm twisting a spinner too far or not far enough and I end up dying in Arkanoid after like 10 minutes. <laughs> right. um, so I'm way better at Arkanoid on the NES controller than the Valve's controller. What? All right. Well, interesting that you – an iOS game. I never – I was not anticipating um, – Yeah. And I'm, and I'm telling you, it is, it's fantastic. It's well worth your three bucks. Um, please check it out if you haven't. Uh, it's, it's definitely on my top list of the last couple of years. Awesome. Awesome. Well, do you have like a high score or something there that they can shoot for? 
Uh, sure. I mean, we can we can post them. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I'll tell you right now, just uh, on my uh, on my leaderboard on here, my score on the hexagon stage is 124 seconds. My score on hexagoner is 78 seconds, and hexagonist is 72 seconds. And just to give you an idea of how hard the hyper modes are, uh, hexagon hyper 22 Whoa. seconds. Hexagoner hyper thirty seconds. Ooh, a little bit better yeah. there. And then hexagonist. So this the difficulty on the hyper. This one is labeled hardest est est. <laughs> uh, I've done thirteen point oh three seconds on that level, <laughs> <laughs> which still sounds probably pretty impressive if you had to watch it, right? Yeah, it, and that's the thing is like when you're doing it. And then you die, and you're like, that had to be like a minute, and it's like six <laughs> seconds. Uh, the longest 13 <laughs> seconds of your life, right? It really is. It's it's like it's like riding a bucking Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> I just actually played twice while you were laughing, and I died at five <laughs> seconds and six seconds. There you go. <laughs> and they were both very impressive runs. <laughs> well, good. Um, well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that's why, man, you know, that's why I like, I like this whole lot better than I like... Uh, those, those games of like whatever year were limited you right. get a lot more interesting stuff yeah and i i do have more stuff from the past years i do play a lot of that but uh yeah that that one had to make it in the Very list good. all right so let's go over to my number four um i kind of sort of get to cheat a little bit on my number four because technically this was released so i'm going to say the mass effect trilogy um, Ooh, yeah, that that is cheating but uh i can't argue with you but they did release the mass effect trilogy as one game they did. It was it was released, even though you didn't play it. But I technically played the content <laughs> of that. Yes, <laughs> you did. With that, so you played the uh, the variant. I I played all the way through the entire Mass Effect series from beginning to end, all the DLC, um, on the hardest difficulty for the most part. Wow. Um, I. I only got through the hardest difficulty on the first game. The second was a little too bananas for me. Yeah. Um, so, again, this is probably one of those games where I probably don't have to tell a lot of people about Mass Effect, but um, mm -hmm. I would probably say, A, number one, if you haven't played Mass Effect, what's wrong with you? Uh, but Mass Effect is, you know, a, a, a an RPG that's set in space. It's kind of a mix of... Um, classic Bioware communication trees where you get to make some choices about your behaviors and it's got that um, system that kind of came along from the, the, the Knights of the Old Republic games where there's good and evil choices even though they call them Paragon and Renegade in this game. So I think the way they did that, though, because really your main character, the character you play as, Shepard, um, is going to be the hero. I mean, that's that's that role that you're put into throughout the series. So you really can't become evil, per se, um, but you can be more of um, roguish, I, I would say, maybe is more what Renegade is. is somebody that's still going to get the job done, but does it more of your way and not necessarily the nice way, right? Yeah. Um, whereas Paragon is probably your very traditional um, good character but the mass effect series itself um again has has got a lot of those rpg pieces um 
you know, you see, you have your standard stuff, your weapons, your equipment, you have stats that you have to deal with, um, and you have a multi-party characters that you you can set into your group and whatnot as you go through, and then you also have the combat. And the combat is a third-person perspective combat piece, which um, was a little rough in the first one, but got better on two, and then really blossomed, I think, a lot in three. Um, I'd, I'd have to agree with that assessment. As much as I loved one and I played it many yeah. times, um, the combat was the biggest improvement from one to two. And then I really think it's perfect in three. Yeah. Uh, and having played truckloads and again, playing all of it back to back, I know some people kind of harken back and they go, oh, you know, well, I really liked it. And I go back to it and go, have you played Mass Effect 1 recently? <laughs> you have said that to me, yeah. And uh, uh, to be fair, I haven't gone back and played it, but uh, I, I think you're. I think it is a little bit of rose-colored glasses. Um, but I do admit, like, uh, even the uh, playing through the first one, um, the story is what kept me hooked more so than the gameplay. And then in 2 and 3, the gameplay caught up to the story. Right. And, um, again, you know, for those few maybe people that still haven't played it, I don't want to spoil anything to death. Um, but the idea being that, you know, you are Commander Shepard, and um, you start off with, uh, you can pick kind of a simple background story, but really the part that you play is um, kind of being involved in the this emerging situation in the galaxy um, where the a, a, a potential crisis sure sure where there has this uh, new threat that's kind of come up and in the first game it, it's uh, more about a rogue specter and, and the specter is kind of a like a, a high level or elite kind of soldier in this system and and there's a a specter that's gone kind of rogue and you have to investigate what's, you know, what's happened here. Why, why did this, this guy go rogue and what's happened to him? And then through that, I think it's probably safe to say that I can talk a little bit about the next part without spoiling too much. Cause it's not that right. big of a deal. Um, you learn about this other race of creatures called the Reapers. And that really sets up the pivotal point of the whole trilogy about, um, the Reapers and their kind of drive to um, invade. I don't really want to, it's not necessarily destruction, but we'll. I don't want to get too far into it without, again, kind of crushing the story that's there. But, um, you know, it's very character-driven. So obviously, you know, you play the role of Commander Shepard and you have a lot of team members that you gather throughout the games. All three games kind of work off that same mechanic. So a lot of the first part of the game is more about building your team, building your team, and then you get into the, you know, towards the end once you've built your team up and, and you face the, the crisis of that game or whatnot. And... Uh, one thing I think that's interesting is that uh, you are not required to actually recruit all the characters. I mean, some of them are critical to the story and you have to have them, but some of them you can completely skip. So, I mean, I didn't even realize, but you can like um, Garrus, you can totally skip him in the first game. Yeah, which I don't recommend because he's amazing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's there's very little that's required of you. Yeah, I mean, you can really, um, I've kind of watched after playing through the game because I was kind of curious. I thought, you know, What's kind of a worst case scenario that you could go through and have like just a terrible, even though you could win and still have this <laughs> terrible outcomes and you really can't, you can really, you can really do 
pretty bad things. I mean, not have people kill people off, uh, etc. But, you know, the characters, I think, were written amazingly well. And I really felt like I really liked all the characters that I had in my crew every time. I They have a ton of dialogue that you can go through them, and I wanted to. Right? I mean, it wasn't mm. one of those things where I'm like, oh, just whatever, let me get to the next piece. I really liked taking the time to go through all the dialogue that was there, learn about their stories. They were fantastically acted. Um, the voice talent was amazing. Definitely. And you really grew, especially by the end of the trilogy, you really kind of grew. The, like These were your friends, you know what I mean? Yeah. You really cared that, about which, what happened to them. Which really, really sets up some of the most emotional scenes and uh, – uh, uh, in, in three, especially, I mean, th- there's a lot of relationships that you've kind of fostered, uh, through one and or two, um, that come to an, uh, uh, I don't want to say come to an end. Um, well, it depends, right? That, it depends on that, what you that, choose. Those relationships reach their climax in the third, uh, chapter. And some of them are, you know, just very, you know, kind of, you know, not ho-hum, but like very kind of like handshaky, like, you know, it was great knowing you type things. And some of them are really, really like, you don't want to walk away. For, like, there's a few places where, you know, okay, I'm about to walk away from this character and I know I'm never going to see them again type situations and you don't want to do it. It's uh, it's it's really incredible the way, uh, uh, how amazing some of the characters are. And my favorite character in the history of all video games is in Mass Effect. Well, well what is it then? Morden Solis. <laughs> Morden is great. <laughs> Morden is phenomenally understated. Um, he's super intelligent, but but unintentionally hilarious at the same time. And he say and he says some of the most endearing things, and he's not trying to say them. It's just who he is, and uh, uh it's Morden is a perfect character. Right, and again, without spoiling anything, in three, you've got a really tough decision you have to make and right i mean there's there, there there is some criticism of the series that maybe not all of your decisions uh, had as big an impact as as they kind of promised that they would um that's not to say that there are no decisions that have no impact because um there are certainly moments where you just want to put the controller down and not make a decision yeah. because it's too hard. Yeah. I think that's the criticism that people leveled against the series is that your choices don't affect maybe the grand overarching storyline. And uh, I agree. It doesn't. Right. What your, I agree too. What your choices really impact are the relationships that you have with your with the characters. And I those do matter. Yep. They matter a lot. Abs- abs- absolutely. And, and the thing is – and that's – you're right. When all is said and done, the end of the game is the end of the game. Um, and that's going to happen regardless. And, and I think people were kind of, ex- uh, you know, were, were led to believe or maybe expected, oh, well, I thought if I made different decisions, I could like affect the outcome of the game. And it's, that's not really what they were going for. I mean, the story arc is going to happen. It's, it's your journey is different than everyone else's. Like, you know, it's the romance options. Uh, they, they, they move like, you know, you, you'll talk to people. And, and every time you talk to someone who's played the game, it's like, uh, oh, like, who, who were you? And, and who did you, who were you who were you with? Oh, you were with them. Like well, it's, it's everyone's experience was different, even though it was the same story arc. And I think that was uh, kind of what they were going for. Yeah, I th- and that's it's so character driven that, and I'm okay with that. I you know, 
it's the story is fantastic and it's one of those games where I was more than happy to pay for the DLC. On mm. every piece of DLC that was in all of those games was again it was all fantastic. It all fit in really well and I enjoyed playing every bit of it and I had no problem plunking down the money um to do it. I mean that was it added everything that it should have added and it wasn't none of it felt tacked on or or tacky uh, or a money yeah. grab it just all felt and, right and some of it was like all of it was good some of it was really good yeah yeah um and and i don't know what the new version probably includes most all of that which is a fantastic deal um mm -hmm. you know, if you haven't played to go through and um you know i i think even on the third one you know the third one the multiplayer aspect of it got a lot of crap um, I would challenge people we, that if they think that play it. <laughs> we 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 played it a I lot. Played me it and a you a lot, and I loved it. Uh, yeah, you played it a ton, and I think it was you who was like, "Hey, I'm gonna be playing like tonight," and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, like I'm busy tonight." And you were like, "That's okay, because I'll also be playing tomorrow." <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, but me and you played uh uh, uh probably for like. I don't know, two or three weeks, like around like when the game was out. Like I was still working on the single player, yeah. but uh, I think for a couple of weeks we played it like every other night. And uh, even when I didn't even ask you if you were going to be on, I just turned on the system. Up, oh, he's in a game. <laughs> yeah. I, so and yeah, we played it for a bit. It was yeah, great. I was really hooked on it. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm not a gigantic shooter person. And the part I liked about it was it wasn't player versus player stuff. So. You know, it's it's more cooperative, which yeah. I think is I, I, yeah. that's the spirit I of the game. I, 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 I tend to lean a hundred, like no matter what the game is, I tend to lean a hundred percent towards, um, oh, it's me and my five dudes versus like, uh, like you know, bots or like we played a uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, 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 Rainbow Six Vegas. Oh yeah, those games are um, co-op co terrorist hunt. Yep. for 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 life. Yep. Um, put it on realistic, no respawns. Uh -huh. Everyone dies in five seconds. Every, it forces you to work as a team. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's, that's the same kind of concept applies here. You've spent the entire game fighting with your team and their abilities through these waves of enemies. So now you they, they really they put you in a multiplayer arena, and it's like you know the single player game has kind of trained you for this. So okay, everyone together. Use your abilities, get through these waves of enemies, and it was great. Yeah, and the the multitude of different characters you could play as. They had a lot of variety that was in there. A huge yep. variety of you, weapons. Yep, you gain you gain experience. You could use the experience to purchase um, either like kind of like uh, uh, like upgrades that you could see what they were, or it was like okay, well, if you purchase this hidden batch, like you'll get like a premium item and like two hidden. Like it was a really fun system to play where you were like, it was always that issue of like okay, well. We we could go to bed now, but if we play one more match, I'll level up. So like, why don't we just do that? I mean, honestly, I could you know probably go back and play it now, although I I won't because I'd probably get hooked back on it. Again. But, <laughs> um, I I love it. I, like I said, I don't think I've got enough nice things to say. Um, and honestly, this probably is only number four, not higher, simply because um, it's repeat playthroughs for me. And there were some mm. other things that were a little newer that I wanted to give a chance to kind of shine, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, again, I played through the whole series last year and, um, I loved every bit of it, even though it, it was, you know, it was my second full playthrough, but I'd played some other ones even more times than that, but loved every minute of it. It's great. Excellent. I guess that takes us over to number three, Bill. Oof, it's getting serious. <laughs>
Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm even looking at it now, and I'm like, should I do some shuffling? <laughs> I know. It makes um, it kind of hard to sit down and really... It, it, it really is tricky. And uh, uh, as long as I just keep saying, um, you know... They're 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 very difficult to rank, but all these games are fantastic. So yeah, I'm waiting um, for some crossover. We haven't had any crossover yet. So oh, you uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm not sure if we will. I guess we'll see. Um, so uh, so again, this is a game. It really is difficult getting just down to five. <laughs> um, so this is a game that uh, uh. It's possible that it's just because of my, uh, you know, kind of like board game uh, background uh, or just like my love of uh, complex systems uh, and politics and exploration and, and 4X pretty much. Um, but uh, Civilization Five, Civ Five, okay. Civ Five, Sid Meier's Civ Five. Um, uh, most, I, I don't believe this uh, has been brought to anything except uh, PC and Mac. Uh, it's PC and Mac compatible. And I have noticed uh, New Poyle has been, uh, he was on Skyrim. Uh, he's in the Skyrim kick for a while. I, all I see him playing these days is Civ 5, and I couldn't <laughs> be prouder. Um, we probably don't have to spend a ton of time talking about Civ 5. Um, but uh, in a nutshell, <clears throat> excuse me. Well, I'm um, I'm a civilization neophyte, so. Okay. So that's actually a, I believe that might be a difficulty level in the game. <laughs> that would be uh, me then. So, uh, uh, yeah, so Civilization 5. Um, uh, they're they're extremely intimidating games, and even people who you know think they want to give them a try or, th- or think they might want to play them, you kind of play for like twenty, thirty, forty minutes, and then you're like, okay, I think I might kind of just be understanding kind of how this game works, and then you realize you're like three percent into this scenario, and you're like, oh, so like it, it's very intimidating and it's very big, um, but uh, in a nutshell. Um, and, and literally any option in the game is like kind of customizable so you can make it however you want. Um, so basically it's, uh, you play, uh, a, like a world power, um, you play as a world power. So like, like a world leader. So it could be anyone from, um, Tutankhamen to George Washington to Gandhi to Genghis Khan, um, literally Napoleon, like literally any like, you know, kind of, like, influential, like, leader that you could, like, think of, that's most likely, like, a character or a role in the game. So all of these um, people are in this scenario are all alive at the same time? Correct. Okay. So, um, and, and, and so let, let's, let me give you an example. So let's say you say, okay, I would like to play a new game. They say, okay, well, like, how big do you want the map? So you can choose very small, medium, enormous, so, like, okay, very small. How many players do you want to play? Ah, oh, let's have three players. Me and, you know, two computer control players. Okay, who would you like to be? And then you can choose um, randomly, which it'll assign you a random one, um, which I, I really, like, there, there are ones that you're going to, like, kind of lean towards once you know them a little bit, um, but I almost always choose random because it always feels new. And, and basically, like, so let's say, let's say they assign, okay, you are George Washington, um, you'll kind of have like perks that, uh, you know, apply to like, like Liberty is one of your perks. And like, you know, some of your guys, like your soldiers, um, will get like a combat boost when a general is nearby, you know, just something like that. Um, so there's like, kind of like, it's different every, every, you know, kind of world uh, power you play with. There's a word for them and I can't remember what it is. I'm just going to call them world powers. So, um, so you start off and it's like, okay, here you are. Here's, and the first thing you have to do when you start a game 
It's the only option you have is found a city. So um, you can found a city uh, any, anywhere on the map, but it helps if you found a city near like water, natural resources, trade routes, um, all that stuff. Well, the same reason so, you would really found yeah, a city exactly, somewhere. Exactly, yeah. So you found a city. And then when you found a city, it's like, okay, um, it will take, you know, and it's turn-based. So it'll say, okay, this city will take, you know, three turns to, you know, be completed or whatever. So you say, okay. And every turn, like the computer lets you know, okay, this unit needs orders. This unit needs orders. Uh, what technology do you want to have your scientists research? What, uh, diplom what, uh, you know, economic policy do you want to adopt? And each of these things, like, you have science points that lead, that like, uh, the more science, like, points you have, um, the quicker you can adopt new science policies, or sorry, new technologies. And the, so like, let's say like, uh, it says, what science policy do you want to study? What do you want to tell your scientists focus on this? And you say, well, I'd like them to focus on optics. You can see this, in, this enormous tree. It says, okay, well, optics lead to the telescope, which leads to, you know, sea captains being able to explore further, which leads, and the thing is, you look at this tree and it starts in like, you know, the stone ages. And when you go all the way to the end of the tree, it's the space shuttle. And like, so, so theoretically, even, okay, but this being an imaginary world, even though George Washington existed at a time where they already knew about these things, you still have to kind of rediscover the technology. Is that it? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's, uh, so, so basically you were playing through an entire civilization's existence from like the founders of this civilization all the way up through like taking them through their technology, adopting economic policies, expanding the city, um, adding settlers, adding workers. As, as you explore your area, you'll find other cities. You can, uh, 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 have treaties with other cities. You can open up trade routes. You can betray those trade routes and try to attack other cities. You build ships to explore in the ocean. Like, it's, it's, it's mind boggling how much there is in this game. And as you can see from New Poil's, uh, recent, like, playtime on it, you just, like, the first people, like, you just sit down with it. And you play it for an hour, two, three, you come back to it, an hour, two, three, and you're like not even halfway through one game. Um, and it's, it's, it's an enormous, super complex, super rewarding experience. If that sounds interesting to you, um, I, I find it's a game that I'll go to every, you know, couple of months. I'll fire it up and I'll play a scenario, which will take like, I don't know, like two or three days. Um, because I'll play, you know, an hour or two here or there. And maybe it may take me like, you know, eight to 10 hours to play through an entire scenario, depending on the size of the map and stuff like that. And, and there are, and there is victory. So it's not just like you play through the whole thing. So because you're competing with the other civilizations, you can either get a military victory by destroying the other two civilizations. Very difficult. You can get like a social victory, um, a scientific victory. Like scientific victory is first one to launch a space shuttle wins. Hmm. So um, there could be three, four, five, six uh, different civilizations. And the thing is, some of the maps are so big, you might not even ever get to meet the other ones because you never really expand outside of your, you know, your kind of like little realm. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's huge. It's complex. There are tons of systems going on. Like if there's ever a time when you're like, oh, geez, I really wish I could adopt, you know, social policies quicker. There is a system in place for that. Um, there's there's a uh, it's called Civipedia. It's like the help system built right into the game. 
you can it's almost it's the Google of the game. So like right <laughs> within the game, you can go in there and say you know like social policy or scientific uh, you know like advancement, and then, and like you have advisors that are like, oh well, this is exactly how it works. You want to do it faster? You can do this. But it's going to affect something else. Right. Um, everything's tied together. Like if you want like your city to expand its borders more quickly, you just need more influence. In order to get more influence, it's connected to this, and and it's, uh, it's, it's as complex as. And the thing is, you can, there's any of these systems. If you just don't want to bother with them, you can turn them on. Uh, you can say you can say, okay, all I want to worry about is this, this, and this. Scientific advisor, can you please take care of science? All I care about is agriculture. They're like, you got it. We'll take care of this for you. And you can toggle that on and off anytime. So the game's as complex or as simple as you want to make it. Um, there is multiplayer. It does take a long time because it's turn-based. Um, so either you're playing at the same time and everyone's kind of like, you know, doing their thing at the same time. Or, you know, like you'll take a turn. It'll send to the other person. They'll take a turn. It'll send back to you. So like you can kind of asynchronously do it. Um, but the thing is, the turns are very, very, very quick. So it's it's tricky to do it asynchronously because you'll sit down, you'll do a turn, and then it's like, okay, well, when when Bob sends his turn back, like we'll let you know. But uh, like when you sit down to play a game, like a hundred turns will happen in like thirty, forty minutes. Gotcha. So uh, very, very, very great, awesome, cool, complex game. And every time I go back to it. Within like 20 minutes, I'm like, why do I ever stop playing this? It is, <laughs> it's so glorious. And, uh, uh, but, but again, like, if any of that stuff that I said to you sounds like, wow, that sounds really boring and it doesn't sound like I'd like it, um, you're, there's, you won't. There's, uh, you're not missing some magic thing. Like, if that doesn't sound interesting, don't play it. But <laughs> right. if it sounds like, oh, wow, like, that sounds like, you know, something I could really get into all those complex uh, strategy systems, absolutely go for it. It's amazing. Great. I've got a couple questions then. So obviously this must span, you know, some time if you go from like rocks to space shuttle. Is your yep. leader that you choose basically immortal? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So you don't yeah. have to worry about him getting older and then there's a new president or something. Not really. And the thing is like he's not a player on the board. Um, It's like he's kind of like uh, – like when, like when, okay, you are Washington. Like it'll show a screen with Washington standing there, like I am Washington, and this is what I sound like. <laughs> and then, and then it like goes to the game, and the only time you ever see your dude again is like, you know, like let's say like you get to the edge of your, you know, you like you, every time you move to like the edge of the the, the area that you can see, like the clouds kind of wash away, and you see what else is there. So let's say you open up, uh, and then there's Gandhi. Like and then a big screen will come up and say, "I am Gandhi. It's very nice to meet you, Washington." And <laughs> and then like that screen, and then like you can like you know you can give a gift, which will kind of you know like add in like you know add influence. Here's uh, some wooden teeth, Gandhi. And, and, exactly. It's like uh, here are some nickels, and you can have them. Um, and then there's like uh uh you know like uh uh oh, let's do a trade, and like you can give them like a whole bunch of grain for like a whole bunch of like you know like uh like fruit that you need to like feed your people or whatever. So yeah, I mean, kind of like it, it is that character, but yeah, you kind of have to. No, well, obviously they don't exist in the same timeline. It's just it's a game. I I, I understand. Right. But yeah, it's like the immortal. It, you're right though. It is uh, that person exists uh, forever. Now, are there evil leaders in the game? You can be as well. Um, every leader is the way that the person plays them. So, but I mean, uh, I mean, are there literally like Hitler and Stalin and Lenin? Uh, it, no, no Hitler, no Stalin. Um, uh, Alexander the Great, I believe. Like, 
uh, is, I believe is in there. Um, Cleopatra, uh, uh, I mean, Genghis Khan, I guess you could say was like a conqueror. Right. Um, same with Alexander the Great, but yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, there's none of, I don't think there's anybody who's like, you know, like immensely hated. Okay. I'm know, just like curious. Type of leaders that, that are in there. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, what, how, what level of, yeah, know. I, I mean, I, and I think like, uh, as, as much as like people say like, well, you know, Genghis Khan, like murdering guy, he's very interesting and, <laughs> and people tolerate him, I guess. So, uh. But yeah, it's it's uh um I don't think there's there's really anybody who's you know has ever been a controversial person in Civ Five. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I suppose that's it, right? As long as they murdered people a long, long time ago, <laughs> right? It's okay. Yeah, as as long as they were in uh uh you know like your parents' parents' uh, history books. Uh, right, but if like, someone like, potentially like, killed your grandparents, we don't want them in a game right. <laughs> unless you're yeah, killing and, them. And, and and most, I mean, and I and I want to I want to say like. Gandhi and uh, Gandhi and Washington are probably the most recent leaders that are in there. Okay. Um, it's most. It's like you know, like even like Nobunaga, uh, uh, like uh, uh, you know, like ancient, 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 uh, you know, kind of uh, military or diplomatic old, backwards. But, uh, uh, hundreds, right? Hundreds of years back. Maybe a couple hundred years, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I guess Washington, a couple hundred. Right. Gandhi, yeah, that's pretty recent. Yeah, that's probably it's got to be the most recent. Cool, cool. So, um, PC Mac only is that the you said, right? Yeah, PC Mac. Okay. Um, you really wouldn't want to play it with a controller. I, I actually don't even know how you'd play it with a controller. <laughs> um, I do think that uh, it's one of the. It was one of the first games that, like, when Steam said, "Oh, the Steam Box is happening," and here's our weird controller with like touch things on your thumbs. One of the first demos that like a bunch of people put out is like, here's us playing Civ Five with that controller, um, and and basically what it does is just it just emulated the mouse. So it's like, yeah, you can do it, but we kind of just wish we had a mouse. Um, <laughs> right. You don't even really need a keyboard. You can play the entire game with a mouse because you're really just clicking on all the different like you know like left left click to move, right click to attack, um, and then like all the other commands you need are along the perimeter. Uh, pretty much of the screen so you can go long stretches without the keyboard there are some uh commands in the keyboard that i and then whenever you click on something it tells you what the keyboard command is so clicks that i was doing all the time i learned the keyboard command for so i could just kind of you know like if i knew i was going to be doing that i just kind of would go to the keyboard command but uh yeah uh mac and pc only um and it's it's at this point it's you can get it cheap i mean it was it was in the humble bundle not long ago um, there are constant deals, whether it be through Steam or Amazon digital downloads. Um, and again, Steam Play. So, like, you know, one code gets you access on PC and Mac just in case you had uh, both platforms. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, interesting. That's, uh, again, that's not one I kind of expected to hear. So, uh, lo I lo love that deep strategy. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to go. Back in time, well, I guess to a point. But so this next one for me is a new game for a very old system. Um, last year I picked up a cart that was a collection of homebrew games. Uh, the cartridge is um, Action Fifty Three, Function Sixteen. So I mean, it's got this really <laughs> long. I, let's just call it Action Fifty Three. 
but it's a multi-cart. It's got a bunch of homebrew games on it. And like the main title that's kind of illustrated on the front is one that's called Streamers. And that's uh, Streamers with a Z at the end because, of course, everything is cooler with a Z. <laughs> mm-hmm. We keep telling you. The, um, what this game is is they've just a core element of Bionic Commando and made the whole game around it. So you have basically what is the bionic arm from Bionic Commando, even though it's not technically a bionic arm, and it's a streamer thing (laughs) that you use. And this (laughs) game is basically just like a riff off of Bionic Commando, but it's kind of done with the same style. It's just humor, and the game is more about navigating through like screens to stay alive. I mean, so, you know, you'll <laughs> go through and they start off pretty easy where it's like, okay, of course you can do your normal grappling thing. And of course you can't, you know, jump or whatnot, but there'll be little things. Of course you touch them and you die. And, um, mm. you know, it starts off pretty easy. So you get to hang them moving around. And then eventually, of course it gets harder and harder. And there's other things that are trying to kill you that you have to time and whatnot. And, uh, and that's really kind of the whole game, even though they put in like story elements as you go through. So, Uh, The story elements are kind of given to you in that same fashion that, you know, Bionic Commando did where they have this, you know, little faces with a little text box that comes up. And they're giving you this, of course, really simplistic, humorous story uh, about what you're doing here. But really, that's it. There's like a lot of screens. There's like a, you know, a normal, hard, kind of easy mode. And um, I did play all three and beat it, but it was like on the easiest mode because it's pretty challenging you really i mean if you remember if you played bionic commando even though you can't jump and you have that arm if you get good at it you can really pull off some neat stunts you know what i mean and you can really Mm -hmm. get in some amazing places with it and this game is really just about fine tuning and really becoming fantastic at that one mechanic and coming up with some fantastic puzzle rooms for you to try to survive your way through. And it's not a lot of punishment. You know, you mess up, who cares? You just start over again. Um, so it's not frustrating when you die. Uh, some of the rooms may get frustrating because sometimes you just like, you get so close, right? You'll get to that point <laughs> where you're just like, you're so close. And then you just keep dying. And then of course you get frustrated and then you can't get as far and, and then sometimes you just have to really just stop and go, okay, now wait a minute. Am I just looking at this the wrong way? Am I trying to go about this room the wrong way? And sometimes, you know, you might, what, how you think you should try to go at it is not right. And then once you get it, it's you get that satisfaction of like, it just clicks, right? You're like, yes! <laughs> you know what I mean? And you made it through that next, you know, screen to the to these checkpoints. The checkpoints are really pretty easy. They may not be like every screen. Sometimes they may be a couple screens apart. But you can see that's just clearly marked like a little checkpoint that you have to get to. And it, well, it kind of looks like your character, and it's basically like a little, you know, re, you know, recreation machine or whatever you want to call it. So that way, you know, you just you die, you just start right back there again. So it's got that fantastic mix. It's simple enough, again, in the beginning, just pick it up and start playing it. Um, but really tricky to master, and it's got that thing again you know it's just that one more time right when you get you just you know Mm -hmm. right if i just one more shot i can do this and whether that's true or not it's a totally different story and (laughs) and the humor that's involved 
is also really well done. So I never felt, I never felt to a point where I was like, you know, forget this game. I'm done. I never want to touch it again. It always just had just the right amount of challenge to it. And isn't that just the balance you're always looking for? Yeah, that's it. I mean, game like you were talking about Super Hexagon, right? Games don't have to be complex. They can be, but it just mm-hmm. has to give you that one more go feeling, right? Like, yeah, I can it's, do this. It's, uh, uh, like, it's it, when, you, when you were talking about, uh, you know, like, it's, you know, you get super close to the end and then you miss it and then it's frustrating because you kind of have to, you know, do like a long segment again. Um, it almost reminded me a little bit when you were saying that, it made me think of uh, Super Meat Boy. Um, some of the early stages, even though they're difficult, they're incredibly short. So you do just like die, 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 <laughs> die, die. Oh, I got it. Okay, now it's all right. Um, some of the stages that take 35, 40, 50 seconds, um, to me, like once it gets that long, it's brutal when you lose late on those because it's like when you die, 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 die. Okay, it only took like 10, you know, overall seconds. When you get 30, 40, 50 seconds and you've died 15 times, it's like, okay, I've been doing this for a half hour. Like, you know, like how long is it going to take me? But uh, so you, you never felt even when the segments got a little bit longer that you couldn't uh, keep going with it. I did. I sit and I pl- did a whole playthrough. I mean, I, because mm-hmm. obviously it's an NES game. I don't have much choice, right? Turn it off and start yeah. again. Um, there was no checkpoint. Uh, yeah. There's no code <laughs> or anything, right? But no, I, what, one thing I did do to myself though is, I started playing like whatever the normal difficulty was, and I was like, okay, at that point in time, I was like, I'm new to this game. This is a little too much for me. So I, I cranked yeah. it down to the easier level where there's just, there just really isn't as many things on the screen to kill you, right? There still yeah. is plenty, but you have right. more leeway. And it's all, that also kind of familiarizes you with the level. So I imagine if you want to go play this multiple times, there you're just going, okay, I'm going to take the same stages I've been playing. I'm just going to now amp it up make it a little bit harder, right? Give you a little mm-hmm. more challenge if you want it, which is, and to me, that's the great way to do it, right? Give me a mode where it's, when I'm starting out, it's just hard enough to get me to keep going. And then after I get all the way through, if I go, man, that was great. I want to give it another go. Just notch it up a little bit, right? And that's like what I was talking about Mass Effect earlier, right? That's why I played through them all. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go play through on the hardest difficulty level. And in the beginning, it was. It's like, man, this is kind of brutal. But again, once you kind of get it, you're like, I got it. No problem. I can do this. Um, mm-hmm. And even when even when I die, like here in streamers, when you die, you don't ever feel like it's not fair. And I think that's really important because right. the control is spot on. The gameplay is there. If there's a mistake, you made it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you can't absolutely. blame the game. You, you have to blame your skill. It's fun. It's like if I close my eyes and uh, just listen to you, it sounds like you're talking about Super Hexagon. Yeah, well, it's got that same, I think those same appeals, right? Like a lot of those early simple yeah. games, that's the appeal to it. Um, yep. is- if, if, if the control is super tight, if you give enough challenge where it's legitimately challenging while still making the player feel like they can do this, like it's... Uh, uh, like when I fire, I think what was it on the NES? Uh, Deadly Tower. Yes, Deadly Towers. <laughs> when you fire that game up and you walk in the first screen and like five bees like kill you on the first screen, you're like, okay, this isn't legitimately challenging. This is a, that's a frustrating way to start a game. It's just crap. Pro- 
Broderbund. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, but yeah, like if if you if you genuinely have a good game, good play mechanic, challenge that's challenging and not frustrating, and you think that you can keep doing it, um, it's absolutely one of the the best uh, uh, things you can give me. Yeah, and let me just say that Action Fifty Three Cart. There are, they're not 53 games, but I mean, there are a bunch of other games that are really good. Most of them are more simplistic. Like I played this one game, it's a lawnmower game where you just have like an overhead of, and you're mowing grass <laughs> and your lawnmower will run out of gas if you don't like stop and pick up gas. And there's like rocks that can really slow you down and you can't mow over it. And so there's a little strategy to it, but simple game. I probably played that thing for an hour. Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I could imagine doing that. It, so there's a lot of those little type of games that are also on that same multi cart. So to me, it's a no brainer. If you like NES, go buy this game. And if you if what I'm talking about with streamers sounds good to you, you'll love it. And then you'll also say these other little games that are on here are also pretty cool on the side. Um, but I would say go for streamers to play it have fun with the other stuff to kind of kick it around. And, um, I, I, if that, if you love that kind of mechanic, then I think you'll, you'll really get a big kick out of that game. So it looks like we're down to, uh, to number two. So Bill, what do you got for number two? Yeah. For number two, um, this is the game that had the biggest emotional impact on me, Oh, uh, the entire year. And, uh, I think we've spoken about this before. Wait a minute. Um, your number two is not super hexagon. I mean, your most emotional impact is not super hexagon. <laughs> <laughs> no, the emotions of the hexagons families and, uh, like alternate universes never came into play. <laughs> I want the fanfic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you, oh, you've read some of the Super Hexagon extended fanfic? <laughs> it's pretty wild stuff. <laughs> I never would have thought that those two hexagons would have got together. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so my number two, which pains me to... Every one of these games, it pains me not to make it number one. So I, re I wish they weren't numbered. I wish they were just these are the five. So maybe I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, Bioshock Infinite. Um it's 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 one of those in uh you know everyone the word immersive is kind of overused in video games but it's it's really kind of rare that i i have an experience where you know i really kind of feel like i'm in that world uh and this entire game was like that for me um uh, a fleech made a good point uh, uh on twitter months ago we were talking about this and he was asking if it would if bioshock would have the same impact if it was third person uh and i said that's a fantastic question for me it absolutely would not um, and he, he kind of brought up the argument that, uh, uh, you know, like he likes, like seeing the, you know, seeing someone in third person, like, you know, like it's, it's, it, it kind of brings him out of the uh, experience a little bit, but also like hearing the voice of the, of the first person, uh, you know, character you're playing kind of brings him out. And I said, that's no problem for me. Cause I, I just assume I'm playing that character. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, that's, that's, that's just kind of like a side point. But every, you know, every time you, you get into a new area and it's kind of like, you know, like the light kind of flashes and it like kind of like settles down and you, you really, it's like when you go on vacation and you go to Florida or, or, you know, you go to like, you know, St. Louis and you look at me, you see the arch and you just look around and you're just in awe of this like amazing place and Bioshock's uh, uh, every, every area was like that. Um, I mean, we did a spoiler cast, so if anyone's listened to that, they kind of heard a lot of this, but uh uh, in a nutshell, um, 
I, n- I know you guys don't uh, all agree with me on this. Um, I think the shooting is vastly improved from Bioshock 1 and 2, where I didn't really think it was very good. Um, what uh, carried Bioshock 1 and uh, Minerva's Den uh, was the story. So the story is still amazing here. Um, I think the shooting mechanic is uh, much, much improved. Um, I think the environment uh, is is really what sells the series, the environment and the story. Um, and before this game came out, no one really kind of knew okay, it's in the sky, like, it's not related, like, why is it called Bioshock even? And, you know, all of those things ended up being answered uh, uh, in stunning fashion, which was uh, really, really just a super, super treat and a thrill uh, to experience. Um, When I finished playing this game, uh, which probably took me, uh, I I think it was just over a couple of days, like, you know, like... between two and four days, um, I I I, uh, I finished it, and I remember finishing the game. And there's 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 moments in the game. There's like that it's that singular moment that that if you've played it, you know what I'm talking about. That like you know it happens, and and you're just speechless. You're sitting there and you're trying to <laughs> put together in your mind all the pieces that just happened. And I remember finishing the game and just y- y- there's not you can't say anything. You're just yeah. sitting there, just like oh. And I went downstairs and I said to my wife, I said, Sarah, I am going to do my best to explain the entire story of this game to you. So <laughs> I was pacing back and forth in the living room. She's like like knitting something or, or whatever she's doing. And I keep – and then this happens. And then this is going on. And the reason <laughs> that's going on is because through this thing, this is actually reality. But it's only this. And, uh, blah, blah. and it's hard to do that without spoiling, but I think it did an okay job. Um, and the whole time, <laughs> I'm just really excited about it. And I said, but wait, then. <laughs> right. And she's, and I'm like, which, and she's looking at me like, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, well, that's significant because of this other thing I told you. She's like, <laughs> oh, so it all fits together. Exactly. So um, it's, uh, uh, it's uh, again, you know, w- with it being very story driven and very, uh, uh, you know, character narrative and environment driven, it is really difficult to talk about it without, uh, you know, ruining any piece of it. Uh, even though at this point it's been out for over a year. Um, but, uh, I, I can't, can't, can't stress it enough. Please, please, please try it. Um, uh, I actually was, was, uh, impressed that we got Krabby to play all the way through it. Um, I think admittedly it's not his, you know, like number one favorite type of game, but, uh, it was, it was, it's what was interesting to me is afterwards when we talked about it, there was so much that Krabby was like, wow, I didn't really get that, (laughs) you know, (laughs) playing through that. He's like, I guess, you know, and it just kind of depends on the way you look at the game and the way you experience the story. And when we started talking about it, he was like, wow, I, I, I kind of want to replay that section and see if I pick that, that story bit up. So, um, it's one of those, uh. You know, the, some of the great, my favorite movies are ones that you can kind of, you know, they're open to a little bit of interpretation, but all the interpretations kind of, you know, make a little bit of sense. So uh, I really enjoy having this game that, you know, once you get five or six people over the house and everyone's finished it, um, you've got like three hours to talk about, uh, you know, what everyone's uh, opinion is on it. Uh, but the game's terrific. Um, the story's amazing. Uh uh, obviously, the uh, you know anyone who's played it kind of knows uh, what the deal is with it. But uh, as far as just the overall impact of the story uh, and the game on me, uh, nothing came close to this. Um, and the only reason it's not number one um, is because you know gameplay wise, uh, there are other games that just gameplay wise I thought you know were just either 
not even so much better mechanics, like from like the granular uh, side of things, but just uh, um, there's a couple other games I played that, you know, you could take everything out of the game, like take all the story elements, all the voice acting out of the game and just give me what those other games are. And, and just the game game bit of it was, is, you know, was, was better game than Bioshock. Bioshock kind of exists in like this, like, you know, this package for me that, uh, that only Bioshock can exist in. So that's my number two. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more with kind of everything that you put in there. So much to the fact that my number two is Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and, and again, like it's uh, like the minute I finished it, which was like you know last February when it came out. Did you did you play it close to launch? Uh no, I, I waited until it went down to like forty. So it was like okay. a month, month and a half or so after it came out. I think. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good. I mean, that's that's a smart move. Um, there's very, very, very few games that I buy day one or sixty dollars. I don't even like to spend forty bucks. I'm like. I'm like between like seven and fifteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's most, like, most of the time I'm right there with that's you. That's what I really want to be at. But this was one of those where I was like, mm, gotta have it. So I think I found like a new egg uh, deal where I got it for cheap launch day. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the, the minute I finished it, you know, it's one of those things you say to yourself like, I'm not going to play anything better than that this year. And story wise <laughs> and impact wise, I didn't. Yeah, and um, kind of just building off what you talk about. I mean, I, I, again, I can't agree more with what you've mentioned there. Um, I just want to say, too, uh, you know, the DLC that came out for that, I mean, now Clash in the Clouds, honestly, I could, you know, I could give or take it. But with the, sure. with the price that I paid for the season pass, I look at that as a freebie anyway. So I, what am I to get upset about? Sure. Um, and I played a little bit. It wasn't really my thing, and, and I kind of just left it where it was at. But um, I didn't actually but, play Clash in the Clouds. No, it's, it's just it's, your... You know. Yeah, it it, it kind of you know it, like when it came out and it was like oh the first piece of DLC in the season pass which I also bought, um uh be, you know pretty much expecting most of the DLC to be single player type DLC yeah. which is what I wanted because it's Bioshock, um and uh uh you know so when it came out and it's like oh it's like challenge packs and stuff. I, I was cool with it because I know a lot of people love that stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, it's that's you know not my personal jam, but I wasn't angry. A lot of people were like, "I bought this season pass and then get this thing," and it's like it, I'm okay with that because I know they're working on something big. Yeah, um, that's I played a little, just pretty simple arena combat with conditions, and you know you can kind of have fun with it if you really like the combat mechanic. I think you know you, you can spend a lot of time. I know I've, I had a friend that man really just beat the tar out of that thing and really so enjoyed are, it. Are, are there waves of enemies? How's it yeah. work? Yeah, and there might be like certain conditions where if you meet, you can get kind of bonuses. And whatnot. So, um, okay. yeah. So, uh, you know, it was okay. I, I would say give, give it a shot. But if it's not your thing, I wouldn't cry about it. Um, right. I, I've, to me, it just felt like complete bonus. So, you know, great if you loved it. If you didn't, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then Burial Let's See, at least episode one. I mean, we're right on the verge of episode two coming out. Yeah, Ep- very soon. Episode one was, I mean, I can't tell you how long I spent in that first part before you get to any of the combat, just walking around yep. Rapture and just taking it all in. Yep. And, and yep. And my only complaint about that DLC is that the walking around living Rapture wasn't what it was. That was kind of like the prologue. Yeah. And then you kind of like literally went from like working area and it was, and it wasn't like the fall of uh, Rapture. 
uh, it was, and this probably isn't spoilery because because the Rapture, you know, Bioshocks are years old. Um, but uh, it was like you were kind of like, oh, like it was like we don't go there anymore. That's like the part of town that's like you know on the downturn. So it's like it's almost like it was already happening, just not in the part that you started in. Yeah, this is the you know the the period of time that's the build up to the to the fall. So right. you're kind of going into this area where you know Fontaine and whatnots, uh, you know, and his cronies have been kind of what banished to or whatnot. But um, and I don't think that's giving much away. That's pretty pretty evident. Um, but you know, I really enjoyed it, and the twist again. It just that game does it so well. The twist yeah. right at the very end. Where you finish up and you're kind of like, oh, okay, you know, I've, I've beat the battle. Where's this going to go? And then all of a sudden, it just like the end of the first game, right? It just gets you and you're like, uh, 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 <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I just kind of sit there for a few minutes like, did that just happen? What? Yeah. And then uh, uh, there was a, uh, uh, what do you call it? A trailer for Burial at Sea Part 2. And, yeah, and I have uh, not watched that. Well, I don't want to spoil anything. So... I'm normally in the exact same boat as you, and I don't know what happened to me. I was sitting there, and there was a link for the trailer, and I was like, <laughs> "I'm not gonna do it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go in fresh, just like always." Yeah. And I think, and I'm, I'm, I'm like 99% of the time, I'm, I'm like totally cool doing that. I want to go in fresh. I don't want to know a thing. Um, and like eight seconds after I made that decision, I was like, "I'm watching this trailer." Oh. So, so I broke my, uh, you know, kind of my normal way of doing things, and I watched it, and. It's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm happy and sad that I watched it because I'm happy kind of knowing going in like, okay, this is what the deal is. But at the same time, it's not like they gave away a twist in that trailer, but they definitely told you something that you wouldn't have known if you just started fresh. And I imagine you're going to like in this trailer seems like it is the intro to the DLC. So I think you're going to be watching this exact same thing when you hit start on Burial at Sea 2. Um, very, very interesting the way they have the, the kind of the direction they've decided to go with this. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, I am. And um, again, as we're recording this, we're, you know, literally days away from this mm -hmm. coming out. So um yeah, I'll be really excited to check it out. Um, fantastic game. Again, yeah, definitely my number two as well. Uh, uh, and I think definitely if if you want to know more, just go back and listen to our spoiler cast on Bioshock Infinite after you've played the game. Um, and, of course. And check it out. And then who knows, maybe maybe we could do a, a mini after these DLC pieces or something. But we, who knows? We may come yeah. back to that. We'll yeah, to, I would. We'll have to see. Um. All right. Well, I guess that bumps us up then to number the number one position. Wow. It was. I feel like it was. It went to number one so quickly because we both had Bioshock Infinite for number two. But yeah, we are at number one. Are you Are you ready? I am ready to hear your number one game that you played in 2013. Okay, I kind of cheated a little bit because now how can, how can you cheat? Well, because it's not a single game. Well, I kind of did that with Mass Effect Trilogy. Was it, right, did it come right. out in a collection? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> no way. You are cheating. I am cheating. I'm super cheating. But because I, they're so, so similar in what they are, except for that one, is, that, and they're both made by the same company, or sorry, the same publisher. Um, and they are so similar in what they are, except for that one is third person and one is first person. 
and like a handful of other minor differences. But at the end of the day, I couldn't pull like when you when you remove all the kind of extraneous stuff and you just pull out the game experience, I couldn't pull these two apart and I couldn't not, you know, I couldn't not mention both. So I'm cheating. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess we make up the rules, so we do. And if if I if, if I get fired, I get fired. <laughs> you get fired. <laughs> so I'm gonna cut your paycheck. How do you like that? I'm gonna go with the Ubisoft duo of Far Cry Three and Assassin's Creed Four. No, Black. you can't do that. I'm doing it. You I'm doing can't it. do that. I just did it. It's the same game. No, it's not the same game at all. <laughs> No, it's not the same game at all. No, you're I... totally cheating. You're cheating. Okay. You gotta pick one. Then I'm gonna if I have to pick one. You have to pick one. If I have to pick one, I'm going with Far Cry three. But one A is Assassin's Creed for Black Flag. <laughs> and see, I can legitimately get away with it because I played Assassin's Creed four mostly in twenty fourteen. Yeah, and and that's that same thing. That's why I didn't actually finish uh, the game, I don't think, until <clears throat> until 2014 but yeah i got it at launch for xbox one um uh so i guess uh i guess i'll start with one far cry 3 um far cry 3 if, if for for people who've who are not familiar with the series um far cry 1 i don't want to say do not play it but do not play it um it's <laughs> they just did like the remastered one on xbox right yeah and I mean, I guess you could if you had some spare points or you want those achievements, but like, you know, a lot of a lot of times like, you know, if someone plays like Assassin's Creed, you know, 4, let's say, and they're like, this is amazing. I've never played an Assassin's Creed game. Let me go back and play one. Um like it's it's just it's it's not the same. Like a like Far Cry 2 and Far Cry 3 are extremely similar in the structure of the game. Open world, uh lots of quests, uh, kind of like that, uh, the environment that is kind of living around you. So you could be like, you know, a lot of other games, like, you know, there's no combat outside of like the quest you're on. So you could be on like, uh, you know, like you could be trying to clear out like an enemy hideout and like, oh, there happens to be a panther in this hideout, yeah. which could hurt or help you. Like it could totally just maul you while you're, uh, you know, trying to sneak around and then everyone sees you. Um, you could also be in the middle of throwing your grenade and then like you see the panther and you lose your focus and then you drop the grenade and it kills you. <laughs> like there's lots of things that happened in Far Cry 2 and 3 um, that are bad, but that are so amazing that they can happen in the game that you're not upset about it. You're like, I literally just drove off a cliff and died. But because of what I was doing, that's exactly what would have happened if that and was, it was the situation. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and it was amazing. Um, so yeah, if I'm, it's, if I got to go with one, I mean, Far Cry 3, uh, I, you know, those games that you just turn on and you say, I'm just going to play this for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like no joke. Like I would, I would turn this thing on like, okay, I'm just going to do like a few things. And it's, it's, it's partially, it's the open world It's partially that, you know, you want to get the, uh, you want to keep, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the completionist in me wants to keep going. I've got all these lists of, okay, I've got outposts I got to clear. I've got Rakyat trials. I've got weapons I got to find. But if I unlock enough towers, that unlocks the weapons in the, uh, uh, in the menu. Um, it's, uh, 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 and the, the game is beautiful. Um, it's beautiful on everything, like on console. Um, I happen to be playing on PC where I have a couple of pretty high end graphics cards and 140, uh, uh, hertz, uh, uh, monitor. Um, so it's a very, very pretty experience on a PC if you have the power to, uh, kind of crank it all well, the way up you know i played it on 316 i still thought it looked great 
Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've seen it on 360. Or the uh, I don't know if I saw it on three. I think I saw it on PS3, and I was actually pretty impressed at how well the uh, the console version uh, came across. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're not familiar with the Far Cry series, um, two is an excellent place to start. I still go back and play two from time to time. Um, it's 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 still one of the best looking games. Uh, uh, you know, from kind of like the 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 you know not this current uh kind of generation of PC games, but like the last one. Um, it's structured very much the same as Far Cry 3. Far Cry 3 is just kind of like, you know, back to the tropical uh, setting. Um, but uh, it's everything I love about open world games, um, which made it really hard for me to separate it from Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, which is also everything I love about open world games. But <laughs> if I have to pick, I had, I'm going to lean towards Far Cry. Okay. Um, now, I mean, yeah, the great thing about that game is just that just, you can it's so free, right? I mean, it's just so open and so crazy with what you can, I mean, if you see something, you're like, I, I wonder if I could do, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? and, and it's, yeah. and it's hard. And it's hard just because like, you know, I, I find that that description comes up when you're talking about a lot of open world games. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it's fair, sometimes it's not, but I remember, but that was the whole thing with GTA three years ago. It was like, why is GTA, why do people like it so much? And people were like, you can do whatever you want. And you couldn't do whatever you wanted. You could do a lot of things and you weren't really tied down to like, you know, like a story or anything. That was just how open world was. Um, Far Cry 3 is literally, I think I want to get on that boat and see if I can just, you know, ride it into that house. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, there, there's a hang glider. It's not just a piece of scenery. Like, I wonder if I can get on that hang glider, like go over this way, swing around the front drop into, you know, like this uh, hideout and just kind of like throw a grenade in that pile of, uh, uh, you know, gasoline barrels and kill everyone in the outpost, like, and then just raise the flag. You can probably do it. Like it's, uh, and there's so many cool things. Like I'm playing, I'm, I'm replaying the game again on the hardest difficulty. And it's, it's a, like most games, it's a totally different game on the hardest difficulty. Um, enemies, as long as they have line of sight to you, they can see you. So it's, uh, you ha you have to use you have to craft syringes constantly, or else you'll get killed, or you won't be able to see like you know the enemies or the animals. Um, but there's amazing things that are happening. Like I'm sneaking up on groups, they're starting to see me, and then I'm kind of like I'm kind of like backing up. I'm throwing grenades in bushes, and since they don't <laughs> have line of sight to them, they're like trying to walk up to the bush to try to find me, and they're all getting blown up. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's so great, and it's there's nothing more satisfying. Than like stealth clearing out an entire outpost. Oh yeah. But at the same time, there's also nothing cooler than like you got like four guys into stealth clearing out an outpost. You've been spotted, and then like you turn around, you see that they have like a cougar in a cage. You, <laughs> yeah. you shoot the door of the cage open. The cougar mauls the last three guys. Like there, it's it's so, and that's why they added an option in the down in the uh, after everyone cleared the game. They're like, this is great, but now there's no more enemies. They added an option into the menu system. You could say, okay, reset all the outposts. Because a lot of times people just wanted to, okay, there's an output. You can kind of approach it from any angle. You can kind of tag your enemies and now do it like, you know, clear that outpost any way you want. And the first time I played through, uh, uh, I got a little overpowered. I was playing a kind of normal difficulty. Once you kind of get like a, a, a silenced sniper rifle. Oh, yeah. I love it too. <laughs> you can do anything from a mile away. Yeah, so, and it's uh, awesome. I'm, I'm forcing myself to like actually clear them out like legit. Like I'm actually challenging myself. Like I wonder if I could like like stealth like 
like a, a you know assassinate like from like a foot away of each guy at this outpost, and it's not easy. Yeah, uh, it's and, fun too to get up and get a little stabby, stabby, right? <laughs> oh man, like and and one of the criticisms of the game when it came out was uh, that uh, that you got very powerful very quickly, um, which wasn't bad gameplay wise because it was extremely fun to play. But people had problems with like, okay, the story wise, you're supposed to be this, you know, kind of like early twenties kid who kind of like you know got captured while I was on vacation with some friends. And like, you know, three days later, you're like murdering people like three at a time. <laughs> right. um, so that was the only problem people have with it. But I mean, yeah, like you as you gain experience, you can start upgrading, you know, like the three different kind of like uh, upgrade trees. Yeah. And uh, one of the things you always have is like your machete. So if you walk up behind someone, I think it's, you, you click on the right thumbstick, you kind of stab the guy from behind and kill yeah. him. And then there's eventually one of the coolest upgrades is um, once you stab a guy from behind like that, um, you can take his knife off off his person and throw it at another guy. So now your single takedown becomes like a minimum double takedown. Uh, there's another upgrade where you can stab that guy, then grab his handgun. And uh, that's kind of a fun little mini game because if there's only two or three left, you get down to, uh, you know, okay, let's do this. And you can run and gun if you want to, but like a lot of other games that uh, kind of encourage stealth but don't require it, if you're spotted, you know, there are guys that will run to like an alarm and call reinforcements in. So you can either disable that alarm beforehand yep. Yep. and they get over there and they're like trying to hit the button. They're like, what is going on? <laughs> um, or, you know, uh, you know, as they're running over there, you shoot them. Um, yeah. which, I would, did, I, did I, I mention that mechanics in Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag? Yeah, okay, all right. But, but I mean, like, it far, I love it where you, like, stab one guy, and then you get the, the power-up where you just, like, step right over, get the next guy, and then you oh, just you're yeah. stab, 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 yeah. and then, yeah, there, like, the last guy, you're throwing the knife. Yeah, there's <laughs> actually one where you can, sh like, if, if the enemies are close enough, yeah. you can chain the stabs together. Yeah, that's awesome. So you literally, like, uh, uh, like there could be, like, five guys in a circle, and you, I kind of try to make sure they're all looking, you know, kind of the same direction, so they don't kind of like start shooting. Yeah, but you like toss a rock, right? Yeah, to get their and then everyone looks over there, and they're like, "I have a feeling I'm pretty sure there's something happening in that." Oh, I'm dead now. <laughs> And you oh, feel like you know you. I hate to, you know you hate to say that, but you feel awesome when you do that stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, and 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 awesome. the and part of the reason you do is because and and I think the game does that on purpose. They do a really good job. Of uh, I mean, first of all, the villain um, is fantastic. Yeah. Um. So the, so the guy. Um. And and no spoilers because there's more than one villain. Yes. But the villain I'm talking about, uh, the one that everyone's probably on seen. On the cover. Yeah, with the mohawk on the cover. Um, with the dude's head like half buried in the sand. Um. So that's Voss. Um. He kind of runs the island. Uh. When you get there. Um. And uh. He's he's one of the the you know, uh, how do I say it? He's one like a lot of uh you know villains are crazy. Um, he's, he's got a very intelligent insanity about him and it's, and it's unstable and it's very interesting to see because he does things that really don't make sense and any other villain does those and you're like, no villain would do that. But the way that this character is, you're like, yeah, I kind of feel like he'd probably do that. He's insane. Yeah. Um, and so extremely well acted there. Yeah. The voice acting, um, across the board is actually a little piece of trivia on that. The voice actor for Jason Brody, who's the character you play as, was going to be voiced by the guy who did Adam Jensen in uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution. 
um, but they thought they that, <laughs> yeah, I'm glad they didn't too. I didn't think that was a great voice, and uh, they didn't because the re- the official Why, reason Bill? they gave. You didn't think that was yeah, a good very, voice? Yeah, very, very gruff, very like, overacted. It was Batman. Um, yeah, it was re- only not as good. <laughs> um, it was real. Like the reason they gave was, you know, they had just done that. It, had a, it was a very recognizable voice, and they didn't want, you know, people to associate that voice with, you know, the old character. Um, I think the guy they got to do Jason Brody is fantastic. Yeah, um, and and Voss as well. But yeah, that was a, what I was uh, starting to to get to. Um, in The Last of Us, when you're killing people, you feel awful about it, even though they were going to be killing you, um, because you know that this is not their choice. You know that they were infected. You know that they were a human being. Um, it's really got more of like a humanity angle to it. Uh, in Far Cry 3, you don't feel that at all. They're like they're like drug-dealing scumballs. Yes, yeah, and part of the reason why you don't feel that at all is because you know, the game starts out and continues to show you what awful people all of these uh, these people are. And, and even like just like you'll be walking through the game, and it's not even like, you know, like the mercenaries or whatever you want to call them, like Voss's men, are just kind of walking around, hanging around. Whenever you come across them, they're doing something terrible to somebody. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you feel great about uh, just like really really brutally killing them yeah you do they um and and the crafting system and the hunting and yeah they did it's 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 great and again like you know when you start thinking about like you know what you're doing like really i'm jumping into water to kill a shark so that i can make a wallet so i can carry more stuff like when you start (laughs) thinking about it from like a logical uh standpoint you really have to kind of like, you know, suspend your ridiculousness uh, for a minute. But at the same time, like from from just a gameplay perspective, it gives you a billion things to do at once and all of them are fun. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't Oof. agree more. Great, 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 great game. Well, that was a good number one. Loved it. And I, and I guess the only the only you know, kind of semi-fair, you know, uh, uh, add-on to that, just like we talked about with Bioshock with the DLC, um, would be uh, uh, Far Cry 3 uh, Blood Dragon, um, you know. which is which is not actually DLC. It's a separate thing, um, but it's the same engine. It's the same type of gameplay, just with, like, a really, really, really super heavy, like, uh, 80s uh, uh, coat of paint on it. Well, um, well, let me tell you, Bill, what I thought of Blood Dragon. Okay. I actually put that as my number one Ooh. for last year. <laughs> I'm happy now. Yeah, now, Blood now Dragon we, was great because it, it was just a super condensed version of Far Cry 3 with like the most fantastically awful cliched 80s references there ever were. I mean, it was yep. just like every like every line that came out, I thought it just was fantastic the way it was delivered. And... And I I think like the guy that they got it was like whatever the guy from like Terminator right yeah Michael Bean yeah and I think the guy was not really trying to ham it up I think he was still trying to be like that same eighties character yeah you know what I, I, mean? I I think that, I think I read an interview they told him uh, this is what we're doing this is the shtick this is some of the stuff we're looking at and he's like and then he kind of realized. They don't want me to be shticky. Like the shtick is that it's me. Yeah. So he's doing it as if he was shooting a movie or like, you know, like making some making some like, you know, sci fi action movie in the eighties. And he's and he's you're right. He's not putting like a like a uh whatever you want to call it, like a uh Yeah the, uh there's a, no a, there's no unnecessary snark or they're not nope. trying to ham it up just so you get I mean 
it's like exactly the way these terrible lines would have well, well, been delivered. Well I, should, well, I should say he's not doing that. <laughs> right. The, so, and, and the, the only, and I don't have many complaints with this game, and the, and the ones I have are trivial at best, but the only complaints that I have is there are portions uh, that, uh, uh, you know, like for me, I wanted, you know, most or all of the jokes to be, you know, like, okay, all the jokes they have are great. All the 80s references are great. All of the things that are, you know, are that are funny are great. But the, there's there's a handful of things that are like, hey, look at me. I'm an 80s joke. And, like, they really, really call attention to the fact that they are making fun of the genre. And, like, those things I thought were – they were few and far between. But those were the only things that stuck out to me as, like, uh, I really wish they just, like, did it totally unironically. Just, like, this is the thing we're making. Um, but I, I still understand those, uh, those jokes, but, uh, uh, man, there, there is some, there are some moments in this game. And speaking about moments in Bioshock, uh, the end, the entire ending sequence is probably the best sequence I've ever played in any game. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, the whole thing I liked about it, I think even more than Far Cry, of course, just, it made me laugh, right? Yes, I mean, over absolutely. and over again, it just made me laugh. And it had these great, like, 16-bit cut scenes, you know, yeah. to tell the story. <laughs> yeah, like, almost like you're, like, uh, you're right, like, it, it kind of had, like, that Genesis uh, storyboard kind of look to it in between, uh, like, main segments. Yeah, and they were just, again, just more of this this really terribly cliched, uh, so bad it's good, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it's it's been a long time. I really want to play through it again. Um, and I didn't realize actually how short the story portion is. Yeah, it's not um, long because, like you know, just like any other game, if you follow the storyline, you know, you'll finish a lot quicker. But uh, in in this game, my initial thought was, "Wow, Blood Dragon is huge and long and great. It's a new map, which is really cool. I'm glad that it didn't stick you on the old island. Like it is a whole new map, which I really like." Um, but what's interesting is I, you know, just like every other game, I'm doing all the side stuff. I'm collecting the VHS tapes and I'm collecting the tube televisions and I'm collecting like all the things on the map. I'm doing like, you know, I'm clearing out the bases, which is like, you know, the, the, you know, the bread and butter of the game for me. And I'm doing all these side things. And I think I'd probably played for like 10 or 11 hours or something. And I was like, wow, this game is huge. And then I said, let me do the story. And then, like two hours later, I was done. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, the story's real. The story, you know, missions is really not that long, um, but it's that's not you know the bread and butter of the no, game. It's, it's, the... it's really the you know the Far Cry three ness of it." Yeah, and I just love you know that okay, we take like the old structure that we had, you know, with the the little outposts or whatnot that you have to take, but now I have like these shields to protect them from these laser beam Tyrannosaurus yeah. <laughs> Rex creatures. Oh, they're so great. That are out roaming around. And so, you know, these, and you, so there's, again, it has even more ways you can deal with it because you go, okay, well, I couldn't, you can like find the shield generator like away from the base right. and disable the shields. So, and then you can like take these cyber hearts or whatever and like lure yep. these Tyrannosaurus Rex creatures like right to the, to the base and just wipe these guys out. Yep, oh, and and man. and that and that's really interesting because the game itself and I don't, and uh, tell me if you kind of got the same vibe. The game is extremely extremely similar to kind of like the, the the general setup of Far Cry Three, but at the same time, there's enough difference 
and enough of like a diff of like a learning curve and like with the different weapons and with the different uh kind of like uh, mechanics they introduced for the first couple hours I was playing because I kind of thought I was going to come in and say listen I've been playing Far Cry 3 for like 40 hours I'm going to destroy this game and you kind of come in and you're like okay it's very similar but you kind of have to learn how to play Blood Dragon it w- like as opposed to yeah. like just playing it like Far Cry 3 it's just kind of fun because starting out like at the beginning of the game you know it's you have this like you know female you know assistant voice that's telling you how to do all this stuff yep. and, he's, and he's just complaining like really you know i've got to go and yeah. do all this crap and 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 he and you know he there's a, there's a handful like whenever you pick up a collectible whose idea was it to go pick up all this stuff like <laughs> yeah. th- those were a few of the things where i was like uh like obvious you know video game joke you know but uh it, they, they didn't deter the experience at all but uh um it's it, like anything else, like, uh, you know, when you hear like this, the same line, like for like the, you know, 15th or 20th time, like, uh, uh, whoever thought this was a good idea, I'm going to collect him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, you know, it's not designed to be a really long, deep game, but right. You know, I just, I really liked it. it had like the little missions where you had to like go like rescue people or like seek somebody out and kill yep. them. Um, what was re- was really interesting too is how satisfying it was because in Far Cry Three I'm very much a bow and arrow guy. Um, I'm very stealthy, and if I do use guns, they're usually silenced or just like you know if I get in a jam, okay, crap, pull out the big gun. The guns are extremely satisfying to use in Blood Dragon. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're very like fun. Ridiculous, of course. You oh, know. they they sound great. They look great. They've got like you know like the hundred moving parts. Whenever you reload something, like they look amazing. Like, and you get like uh, all these add-ons for them that you have to unlock. Th- that's that's when it gets you know because before that it's like okay the guns aren't like too super powerful. Once you get all these add-ons, it's done. Like you can run into a base and you're taking care of business. Yeah, and then. Basically, that whole like ending sequence to the story. <laughs> I'm telling you, the the I mean, obviously the gameplay then is amazing, but I will stand by the dialogue that's happening <laughs> while that's going on and the music. Oh yeah, make that segment forever. Yeah, and I don't want to spoil anything, but there's this one segment that you go through right at the oh, end, and man. you're just like, "This is so awesome." <laughs> And as you're doing it, and it lasts for probably like a good like three, four minutes at least. Yeah. And as you're doing it, and it's like you are playing, but it's more or less like an event. Like yeah. I don't think yeah. there's any real way to like, you know, I don't uh, think you can lose. fail this, <laughs> even though you are actually playing. And the whole time you're you're playing, you're you're just you get that big doofy grin on your face <laughs> yeah. that this is the coolest thing you've done <laughs> ever. And all you're thinking when it's over is I need to tell everybody I know about this game. Yeah, and you can just, you almost get to go back to being like your 10-year-old self. <laughs> you know I did. What I mean? Oh, man, it was so, I'm just thinking about it now. And you're just oh, like thinking man. like dinosaurs with freaking laser beams. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, did, and do you remember um, the uh, at the very end of the Far Cry 3 campaign, um, there, was, there was a sequence that you played and a song starts playing. And at the when when the song first starts playing, I'm kind of thinking, I'm half thinking this is awesome, and I'm half thinking, are they are they kidding me with this song? Because it's kind of like an old song. But like then, as it's happening, as it gets more and more into it, I was like, okay, I was this is actually really cool. They kind of did the same thing with the Blood Dragon yeah. end, but they just amped it up yeah. on every level that they were working with. Yeah, and you, I mean, this is obviously a game where. 
you have to be ready for just total crazy. I mean, you, you have to just go, look, this is just going to be a crazy game. Let me just enjoy it. Again, let me go back to my 10-year-old self and just think what would be, you know, awesome <laughs> at yeah. that time. And, and, and the cool thing about it is, uh, like, sometimes you say that to people, you're like, hey, don't worry about if the game's not that great. Just, like, enjoy the experience. This is all of that plus the game is fantastic. Yeah, um, I think it's great because, like you said, it's a standalone game. It's not mm-hmm. a DLC add-on. You don't have to have the original game to get it. You can just go buy it. And if you don't have time for some giant Far Cry 3 experience, um, you know, you can get a good feel for the, the whole thing in, you know, six hours. Mm-hmm. So it just it just ties a nice little bow on it. It's a great game. And... I just, like you said, I just had this stupid grin on my face <laughs> the whole time I'm playing. I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's impossible not to. It's, it's really so good. I'm just looking it up on Steam right now just because I'm curious what the, uh, if the price has changed at all. But I don't mean, it came out for like 15, 20 bucks, right? Yeah. I, you know, it yeah. wasn't very much. Uh, it's, yeah, right, right now it is, it's $14.99 on Steam. Um, I'm sure that it's, you know, it goes on sale on the other, you know, platforms as well, Xbox Live, PSN. Um, I think that, uh, it's been the PSN free game at one point. Oh, there you go. If I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, and, oh man, like just looking at screenshots of this game again, like I don't even know if we mentioned (laughs) this, the, cause a lot of people probably played it. It has this like interlaced filter over it, like the entire time you're playing. Yeah. And it's got these kind of like, you know, like neon glowing, uh, like it's really hard to describe. And like, I like like without... the, the videotape, you know, like oh, the man. stuff yeah, you watch. It's got these and, like horrible VCR. And there actually is uh, in the options, uh, those filters are adjustable. So you can kind of like max them up or like take them down a bit. But there's always, even with them totally off, there's always this kind of like filter on the screen that really makes it look like uh, it's like 80s computer generated. Yeah, and there's like the really awful like synth music that's yeah. playing all the time. <laughs> oh, actually, actually um, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say all of it's awful. There are there are, uh, the the music was done by a band called Power Glove. Yeah. Uh, which some of you guys might know is uh, they're like, kind of like a, a, a video game inspired, you know, retro theme uh, uh, kind of uh, a synth and metal band, I believe. And uh, I'm telling you, like I didn't know who Power Glove was before this game. And then after this game, Power Glove was actually at the uh, Too Many Games that we were at last year. We couldn't get in because they wanted like more money for the Power Glove show. Right. Um, but uh, I was really excited uh, just to know who Power Glove was after this. There is some, like just the exploring the island music is amazing. Um, there are some synth lines that like I think are intentionally. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that is just it, 80s synth. <laughs> that's it. That's that's what I mean by when I say it. it's just a right. callback to that sound that all these movies had. Yeah. You know, all these and, action movies had them back then. Yeah. And I actually got to, uh, with the pre order, because I pre ordered on Steam, um, it came with a download of the soundtrack. So I have the soundtrack and uh, it's kind of cool if you ever have like an 80s party just to put it on in the background. And <laughs> yeah, it's amazing yeah, to it's, think that people are still writing this music, but it was, yeah. uh, it's great. Yeah. Fantastic. I, I couldn't agree more with uh, Blood Dragon being so high on, on the list because it's really, Really fantastic experience. Absolutely. Well, um, I think, uh, you know, we kind of mentioned in the beginning, too, that we kind of had an alternate list of maybe some, uh, maybe another five games that we didn't necessarily want to do like a top 10, but maybe these are also some highly recommended things that we played last year. 
Sure. Yeah. So I went first last time. You want to go first with your uh, not top five? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to start this. This is in no particular order because, again, this is not any sort of top list. But I'm going to start with uh, an arcade game called The Ninja Warriors, which, man, I loved um, years ago when that thing came out in the arcade. And, you know, you can still play it now through MAME or whatever, and I still play it pretty regularly. But The Ninja Warriors is a game by Taito. Um, You know, it's like late 80s, like probably like 89, something like that, maybe 87, 88. But the game, when you had the arcade, it came... um, this really big cabinet and it was made up of three monitors that kind of uh, had mirrors that projected up and to make it look like it was one solid really wide screen that you were playing so if you do emulate it or whatnot you'll see it's that same idea now if you want to get a legit copy in japan you can get one um on pc engine and um mega cd they, they made but never came out here for whatever reason um but you are these robot ninjas. You're the ninja warriors. And <laughs> the idea behind the game is really simple. It's like just kill, you know. And the basic, like, really simple storyline is you're these robot assassins um, that are sent to take out some kind of evil um, evil leader or something. And, and you're some kind of government robot that's gone in to do it so you know you you play through the game which is awesome because you just have these shurikens that you can kill with and then you have like a limited number of ninja stars and you can take multiple hits you have like an energy bar and two people can play simultaneously and you're like two different ninjas so you're just going through just mowing through just tons and tons of these soldiers (laughs) the music is fantastic i mean i would say if nothing else if you don't want to play the ninja warriors do yourself a favor and check out the soundtrack um, to the Ninja Wars. I mean, it's just really, I mean, amazing soundtrack to that arcade game. I still, you know, every time I hear, I can't get it out of my head, but, um, you know, you kind of go through these really huge environments. Of course, it's a quarter muncher, but you know, at home, if you're emulating or whatever, who cares, right? Um, you can continue as much as you want. So if you want to play through the game, it probably take you all of 30, 35 minutes. It's not long, but it's just, it's just so much fun. It's so good. It's so simple. And where'd you uh, play it? Uh, I, you know, originally I played it um, always in the arcade. I mean, I would go to the arcade machine and play it like crazy. Last mm-hmm. year, I mean, I have to emulate it because I'm, obviously there's nowhere else to get it. I've, I've looked at getting like the Mega CD version, which is Sega CD for Japan, but it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's really expensive. So, um, and of course, it's not, doesn't have that widescreen and whatnot. So, you know, I'm not a huge emulation guy, but I can't stuff arcade machines into my house. So, um, yeah. No, I, I was almost wondering since uh, if like you had like a local pizza place or something that has one. Oh, you so I would there. never, I would buy it from them, I think. <laughs> if I still found one of these things somewhere, but, you know, I haven't seen one since the early 90s. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah. Uh, but I just, you know, I I love this game. Every you know, every year I usually play it at least a couple times. Oh wow! Um, I can't. And if you've got two friends that you can go and hop on emulation and play through, I think you'll just have a fantastic time. T- crank the tunes up, enjoy it, and um, again, I can't say enough. So check that out. Ninja, the Ninja Warriors by Taito. Give that a okay. look. Ninja Warriors. Yeah. I'm writing it down. Yes, definitely. Give it a play. You'll love it. So do you want to keep going through or should I go No, you go ahead. We'll bounce back and forth. All right. So um, for uh, my number five, I chose Gone Home. 
um, which is a uh, indie game uh, by the Fulbright Company. Um, it's available on Steam. I believe it's regularly about twenty dollars. Um, I got it on a humble sale for about five dollars. Uh, it's uh, I've, I've the Fulbright Company is uh, uh, something I've been kind of. Uh, kind of following for a while. Um, the main guy who kind of started the Fulbright company, his name is Steve Gaynor. Um, he was a level designer who worked at 2K, and he was the lead design on uh, Bioshock 2 Minerva's Den DLC. There you go. Um, and Ken Levine liked it so much that he hired him to be a designer on uh, Bioshock Infinite. Um, he eventually left uh, 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 Irrational um, to go Irrational to... Irrational Hero. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Man. eventually uh, he left. Ir- I think he left Irrational before the game shipped, actually, um, because he wanted to, you know, do his own company, make this game. Lucky guy, anyway, he got out when he did, right? Yeah. So anyway, long story short, um, Gone Home, if you haven't heard of it, is, uh, I mean, talk about an emotional experience. Um, it's right up there. It's right up there with Bioshock Infinite as far as emotional impact. It's not. It's not really like a twist. It's not like you know you're playing through this you know grandiose majestic you know environment and there's the shooting and all this stuff it is it, you know it's the game starts it's first person you arrive home it's you know kind of middle of the night and there's no other characters in the game there's no combat uh you you get home and everything that you learn I'm getting goosebumps talking about it <laughs> everything you learn about the character that you're playing as and that the people who live in this house you find out from the environment. Um, and it sounds very simple, but like, you know, you get home uh, and you kind of, uh, you get to the front door and you see like a note on the table and it's like, you know, sorry, I couldn't pick you up at the airport, uh, hon, like, you know, like, like we'll be back, uh, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of start moving through the house. And at first you're really scared because you, you there's no one there. It's, it's dark. Like you're not sure what happened to anybody. And you just start finding notes in drawers and then like there is some narration. So like you'll find like a journal entry and it's your sister and you hear her voice narrating her journal entry. And then like from that, you might find like, oh, like, you know, the, like when she was a kid, she like, you know, accessed this secret panel like in like her father's library and like it opens up more of the house. And as you get through more of the house, you don't feel as scared anymore. You just feel really concerned about, OK, like I really need to find out what happened. Uh, and then. It, it just kind of evolves. It's only like two or three hours long. I don't really think it's not a long game at all. And it's more of like an emotional experience than a game, even though you're kind of following the clues and learning about what happened to this family or this girl or like there's there's all these really, really kind of like big, important questions that you kind of are asking yourself that get answered as you're playing. And it's just a super, super well-made emotional like kind of gut-wrenching story that I would encourage anyone if they have access to the game to play. Um, a, lo- a lot of people, the reaction that I get is like, oh, it's $20 and you, it's like three hours and you only play it once. Uh, and I understand that. I understand, you know, the hold up for, that's a lot of money for a one-time playthrough thing. Because, I mean, you could play it through again, but I don't know if you'd want to. It's kind of like you experience the story and that's it. Um, but, uh, if it sounds like something you might uh, be interested in, just watch like a like a quick watch the trailer for the game. It does a really good job, kind of showing exactly what the game is. And if you're you know open to the idea of like a really really good emotional story, um, I you'll probably really enjoy it. Now is that PC only or PC Mac or do you know? 
Uh, that I will find out okay. within the next few seconds. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I know I miss out on a lot of these games because I don't, I don't do Steam or computer gaming or whatnot, but I have heard a lot about that one. And I, it's got a lot of acclaim, a lot of critical acclaim. Yeah, I didn't realize, but it just reads, you know, like with all the, you know, game of the year, uh, you know, lists over the past uh, few months, it, uh, it really, you know, it, it, it did really, really well on a lot of those lists. It made, you know, game of the year on, on more than a few of them. Um, and, and again, it is, I mean, when you look on Steam, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the cynical, uh, people of the world who, uh, you know, how you can, I don't know if you know this, you can tag things on Steam now. Um, no and, and the, and the tags are user made. So, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, I could go to Far Cry and just tag it with open world. And if, you know, like a million people tag it with that, then, you know, kind of the top five or six tags show up on the game. Okay. So I'm looking at the store page right now and the first, and three of these tags are absolutely right. Short, indie, and exploration. Um, one of the tags, uh, I think these people totally missed the point. They tagged it as walking simulator. <laughs> I, I understand the joke. I understand you're trying to be snarky, sarcastic guy, and I get it. But this is not. This is. I mean, it's not Far Cry Three. It's not pretending to be. Right. It. It is an experiential uh, uh, piece of interactive entertainment, and it is the best example of this kind of storytelling I've experienced. Gotcha. Okay. Well, good. Did you find out is it PC Mac or just PC? Uh, yes, I'm looking at it now. Um, it looks like it is Steam Play, so that's PC Mac Linux. Oh, okay. So I'll, so triple threat. There you go. Well, maybe if it gets into one of those crazy, goofy, cheapo sales, maybe I'll actually spend a dollar or something yeah. on a Steam <laughs> game. But uh, yeah, keep yeah, keep an eye. I'm telling I've you, I've got an ancient uh, Mac. I don't know if it would actually still work. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's an experience, so I encourage it. Cool, cool. All right. Well, um. I'm going to shift next. Um, now, this is, I played through this in, entire series last year, but I want to just highlight Dragon Age. Um, you are a Dragon Age fool. I am a Dragon Age man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I played through um, every single piece of Dragon Age last year. Um, so, started Where the did you find beginning. the time? Um, you know, I don't beat a lot, I don't play a lot of games number wise yeah. in a year. Because that's a lot of game. Uh, it is. And if you look at my completion list, it's not crazy huge. Um, okay. So I did. I went all the way through. You know, I played every... Because I had like the, um, you know, the the whatever collection that had like all the DLC, everything on disc. The, ulti- the like yeah, ultimate, ultimate origin yeah. edition or something? Yep. So I had everything for the first Dragon Age on it. So I played through every single piece that's there. And while, I mean... It's a game that's a few years older, you know, it's it's showing its age a little bit in the graphics. Um, but, you know, the gameplay is solid. Um, the dialogue, of course, is Bioware. It's great. Um, the story is really interesting. Um, I like it better than Dragon Age 2, although I did play Dragon Age 2. Um, and I like that one, too. I just, the first one, I think, was, was better. So uh, I think they heard that, though, and that's probably what we're going to see more of, like, in Dragon Age 3. Um, I, you know, no, it no is three Inquisition. Yes. Okay, I didn't know if Inquisition was this was an in betweener. No, it's um, it is Dragon Age three. Okay. The um, you know, thing with Dragon Age, I'm I'm sure I don't have to spend a lot of time talking about this. A lot of people know, but um, obviously it's a Bioware game, so it's um, uh, an RPG that's um, heavy stat driven. It's uh, a lot of choices that you can make. Uh, it has a very PC feel to it, even playing it on a console. 
Um, Agreed. And you know whether that you think that's good, bad, or otherwise. I like it though because you know if you if that bothers you, you can crank the difficulty down and really kind of let the AI of your characters take care of the combat. If you like being more hands-on, you can crank that back as well and, and get very detailed about giving commands to everybody. So, you know, I think it does a good job of balancing that in a fairly reasonable process. So, and it's not one of those games where it has like, you know, lots of idiotic achievements about difficulty either. I mean, there's like a <laughs> couple of them in there if they're like boss challenges. So if you want to do them, great. You don't have to. Um, so you don't feel bad though. Like if, oh, if I don't like, trying to be nitpicky control. I you know, just crank the difficulty down and have fun and enjoy the story. Um, you know, it's just it's just really good. It's very solid. They do a good job of building the world of Thetis and kind of what's going on there and, and, and the whole progression that you go through, even in the DLC pieces, I think really adds a lot to the story. Um, if I had to change anything, I do like a little bit more in Dragon Age 2. Um, they, kind of like with Mass Effect to Mass Effect 2, they simplified some of the inventory system, which it needed a little bit. It was a little cumbersome in the first one, but still was a lot of fun. It was pretty neat to go through. Um, but I really enjoyed it. You know, the, the jobs are diverse. There's a lot of different characters. You get a lot of story and interaction. And if you like, you know, I'm not a huge, like, um, fantasy, like, you know, that, medieval fantasy kind of thing guy right. but i mean I, I really love the series it was just really fantastic so um i'm gonna say if you're one of those one people out there or whatever that hasn't played dragon age yet i'm sure the ultimate edition is probably cheap and i'm sure it's on steam and everything else or whatever um so yeah i would definitely recommend giving that a shot and uh, just kind of wrapping that up you know as you were saying inquisition comes out this year 2014 and um kind of to the lead up to that you know your saves from one to two on the on the console, you know, they led into one another, so your stuff would transfer over. To get around that with the new consoles, they're putting together something they call the keep. So what you'll be able to do is go online, input your decisions into the keep, and then those will still transfer into your new game. So that storyline that you've created all the way through the series uh, will stay right in uh, Inquisition. So should be really interesting. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good year. Yeah, no, I, I played through Dragon Age One. Um, enjoyed it very, very much. Um, agree for the with for the most part on what you're saying about like it. It feels PC. Um, the uh, uh, especially the inventory interface, um, which was extremely confusing to me uh, playing through on the console. Um, everyone I've I've spoken to said that it's a different game on console and PC, even though it's the same you know same thing, just different interfaces. Um, I never got my head around several key concepts um you know as far as like inventory creating salves creating potions like equipping things like the menu seemed very confusing to me um barring that the like a lot of games have decisions and they're good and bad and it's like well this decision is easy and not interesting um the decisions in uh, dragon age are some of the grayest decisions I've I've you know had to make in any game that that really do affect the game. Yeah. Um. And that's that's what I love about the decisions in Dragon Age is you really there are really times when you put the controller down you have to think for a while. And it's not like I feel like in Mass Effect it's really pretty easy to figure out this is Renegade this is Paragon sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. sure. This one it's not it's not always clear yeah. that if I make this choice it's going to turn out good or bad. I mean yeah. 
sometimes it's and and the way I like it too is they're just sort of dialogue choices. They're not these really heavy handed good. Yeah, it does. Bad. It doesn't. It doesn't come up with a with a with like a with like a halo or like a devil on your shoulder. Like it, yeah, it's just you're reading the dialogue. You respond certain ways, and even in Bioshock, where it like tints the dialogue, the Renegade or Paragon color. Like you could say something that okay, like that's the dialogue response I want to make, and then you make it, and then it's like Morgan's really pissed off that that's how you feel. Yeah, and you're like, I didn't mean to do that. And it's like, well, that's how the world works. <laughs> yeah, and all of these characters have their own reactions to things, and you have to consider that when you yeah. pick your companions to take along. I mean, you know, in Mass Effect, the people you have with you are great for dialogue on the missions, but. Whatever happens, they you know they don't care. They kind of stick with you, right? You know. And this one though, you can really kind of tick people off. Well, they don't like right. you a whole lot. And and in Mass Effect, that it was really mostly prevalent if you were trying to romance somebody. Yeah. In this game, it's like no, like they, there's an affinity that they have uh, towards you, good or bad, and it affects a lot of different things in the game. So. Uh, you find yourself trying to juggle these relationships, and it is not easy. Yeah, and to the point where you can tell them to go. Yeah. If you don't like them, you can just kick them straight out, and they're gone. Yep, yep. And it's, I mean, how many other games give you that option just to basically go, hey, I don't like you. you get out. Yeah, I've had it with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I know there's, like, key story characters you can't, but I mean, like, um, and and I don't want to give anything away, but the part one of the DLCs pieces is all about this golem that you get and one big story piece that you get to at the end of that chunk you have an interesting choice to make <laughs> and it can make a big deal about what happens so um yeah. you know i've got uh, to, yeah i mean we, we've, we've talked about uh, dragon age for a bit it's it's a really good game i, I agree with uh, uh with chris very very much on this um i keep an excel spreadsheet of kind of like you know Games I've completed this year, games to buy, games the you know the, to play. I have a column called "Games to Play Again," um, and the two games that are in it are Deus Ex: uh, Human Revolution Director's Cut and Dragon Age Origins. There you um, go. Very good. It's it's a real good game. I'm real curious to play it on PC because I did play it on 360 first time around. So I'm going to play it on uh, PC this time and see how I feel about it. Yeah, you have to let me know what if you think that really improves the experience. I would guess it would. It seems like it's really built for a mouse. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see. Cool, cool. What do you got up next? All right, up next, I got something that I really only just started playing recently, but uh, so I couldn't really put it on the top five. Um, but ask me this time next year, I'm sure it will be on the top five. So this is an indie game. Um, again, it's available on uh, a PC, big surprise. Um, but the, my next three games are console, so you'll be happy when we get to those. <laughs> so this game is called Rogue Legacy. Um, it's a game that I convinced Fleech to buy uh, just this evening. Is it is it Star Wars? It is not. <laughs> <laughs> That's Rogue Aquadron. So um, so Rogue Legacy um, is the best, best game that you've never played. Um, probably not, but I like to say that. Um, so Rogue Legacy, um, I believe it retails for like $15. It's not too expensive. Um, at first glance, it looks like a Metroidvania game. And it plays like a Metroidvania game. And like a lot of indie games, it's got this really cute 16-bit you know, theme going over it. Um, but uh, when you look a little deeper, it is not Metroidvania at all. So it's a side-scrolling you know, kind of castle exploration. But what happens is the game starts, 
and it's a side screen, you know, like you have like a, you know, like your sword and your equipment on. You go in this castle because like, you know, you're, uh, uh, you know, you're, tr- you're, you don't know why you're going it. So you go in and you're playing the game. And if you're really good, you can probably last a while. But like most people, you die within about like 20 seconds. Um, because you can really only take like one or two hits. And then it's like, oh, you're dead. And then it's like, oh, it's too bad I died. Like, I wonder if I, you know, what happened. And then it shoots you the title screen. You know, do you want to start again? And you're like, what? <laughs> what happened? You, what, what, uh, why? I, it's like the super hexagon. Like, I spent $3 on this. <laughs> and I'm really bad at it. So then you start again. And then uh, it shows like a picture of your dude who just died. And then it shows uh, his or her three children. Get it? Legacy. Ah, okay. So now you get to play as one of the heirs of the one so who just died. So it's Fancy Star 3. Uh, correct. <laughs> so it's very, very similar to Fantasy Star 3. I'm sure that's where they got the idea. Sure. So, and the thing is, each heir has different traits. Uh, some of them affect the gameplay in meaningful ways. Some affect them in trivial ways. Some are just very annoying. Some are quirky. And some have no effect at all. So it's very, and there's all different classes. So we like the three heirs could be, um, you know, like a, a Poly McSword, um, the, uh, the assassin, you know, who has uh, like certain stats. One could be, you know, like Billy Blades, the uh, the warrior. One could be a paladin, but you know, like they're like like one could have gigantism, so they're much larger. One could uh, have peripheral neuropathy, so they have no blood pulse in their feet. Okay, and you, and you would think, man, like that doesn't have any effect in the game at all. But there are p- spots in the game where if you step on, spikes will come up. So since you have no blood flow in your feet. Those spikes never come up, so you have that advantage. Um, there are ones uh, like sometimes, like one of the traits is you are stereo blind. Okay. You can't see in 3D. And the game's in 2D, so it's like, well, that's no big deal. But every time your character or anything in the game turns from left to right, it looks like a piece of paper flipping over as opposed to like, you know, like just side to side. Um, one of the traits is gay, which has no effect in the game at all. It just says, you like the men. <laughs> okay. Um, or you like the ladies. So like, but the whole, so forgetting all like that quirky stuff. And like one of, one of the traits is nostalgic. And it's like this trait, nostalgia, you long for the good old days. And then when you're playing the game, like the whole game's in like a sepia tone. <laughs> um, so there's a whole bunch of really cool quirky things they do. But when you get to the actual game, so then the, the castle is randomly generated. I'm not usually a fan of randomly generated because to me it, it says, well, you're either you know too lazy or not good at uh, level design, but it's not randomly generated. Um, as far as like you know like the individual pieces go, there are rooms that are pre-made and made very well. But every time you go into a new room, it it you know it it just it's uh, like every time you play through the castle is different. So it's um, like the cube. Yes, exactly, exactly like the cube. Amazing movie and Cube Two, Hypercube and um, Cube Three. Cube I mean, zero, wasn't it? Yeah, I haven't seen the third one. I just saw the first two. Um, so yeah, but it's it's really really great. And the cool thing is, as you collect gold as you're playing through, so like you might be you might get you know like uh, you know like have like you know twelve hundred or fifteen hundred gold, and it's the game's still pretty hard. So then you die, and it's like oh crap, that money was passed down to your heirs. So the next time you start playing, you have your manor like your castle, and you can spend that gold on on upgrades. Like, uh, you know, you can buy, like, defense up, attack up. So it's like every time you play, it's still pretty hard, but every time you play, the money you collect 
is uh, left to your, you know, your children and they get to spend that money in upgrades. And there's like a, uh, there's a weapon shop. There's an architect you can pay to freeze the castle layout if you like it. There's like runes you can add to your, so like you're, you're, you're buffing every single time you do it. Um, and like, and the goal is there's four bosses in the castle in four distinct areas. Every time when you kill a boss, it kind of like, you know, uh, the entrance of the castle, like that, it's almost like Metro, like when you kill Cray and Ridley and those statues like raise up. So once you kill one of the bosses, like the door lights up with like that boss's emblem. And even if you die and die and die, that boss is still beaten. So it's like up to all of the, your line to kind of like beat all the bosses in this castle. Um, I don't, it's, I don't know if it's as, if I'm, ex, if it sounds as good as it is with me explaining it. Um, I literally, like I bought this game when it was on sale. A friend of mine said, it's the best thing. Please play it. I, I turned it on for, you know, I was like, I'll play this for like a half hour. I'll see what it's like. I played it for six hours <laughs> last week in one day, like literally from like one in the afternoon to like dinner time. It was like, no, do you want to watch TV? Okay. You can watch TV in the room with me. I'm playing Rogue <laughs> Legacy all day. Um, it's amazing. I love it. I'm going to keep playing it. I'd be playing it right now if we weren't recording. And I highly encourage you to check it out. Okay. All right. Now, was that new or is that from last year? Rogue Legacy is, uh, it is from last year. It's been around for a little while. But you're just playing it now. Uh, yeah, I just, okay. I just started okay. playing it uh, uh, recently. Gotcha. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm going to continue with older stuff a little bit here. And I'm going to mention Black Tiger. Um, Ooh. Black Tiger is an arcade game from Capcom. If you want to play it now, I'm sure it's probably on a lot of collections. I played it on the 360 on the Capcom arcade cabinet, which you can um, you can download and play a lot of Capcom arcade games. But it's um, included in like the basic pack that you start with. And you can buy more arcade packs uh, to go with it. But if you want to play Black Tiger, you don't have to. It's just the basic one. And Black Tiger, um, again, I, I'm going to guess latter <clears throat> 80s. And what you are is you're like this uh, barbarian guy and you have like this chain kind of like a whip thing, but there's like a, you know, like a spiked ball or whatever at the end and you have like a few life bars. So you kind of just have to go through these big levels and um, so you're just kind of walking through all these enemies appear uh, from time to time, you know, and you have to attack them. If you're at full health, when you attack, you also shoot out like these daggers, so that makes it easier to kill the bad guys. Um, there are chests, so you can find keys, and then these keys allow you to open these treasure chests. And the chests either have gold, which is good for money that you'll need to buy uh, upgrades, or they might be trapped, like a booby trap, so that like sets off a flame trap. There's also enemies that can poison you, so if you have, you know, a poison state, then, um, you know, you can't use, again, like your daggers and whatnot. Uh, and there's upgrades, so you can rescue these guys as you go through, and uh, and they'll either give you money, or you'll on each level you'll find a shopkeeper. And so you can go through the shopkeeper, and you can either upgrade your weapons, you can buy more armor, you, know, you can buy, like, a health potion, whatever the case is. So, again, you're going through all these uh, big levels, they have, like, stages, and then you'll fight, of course, like a boss at the end. But these stages are, like, really big that you can move around through. And mm -hmm. um, and they're they're pretty challenging. They're not they're not <laughs> terribly easy. Obviously, arcade game, it's meant to take your money. Um, <laughs> but you kind of move through, and, you know, the idea is, like, tr you're trying to defeat, like, this black dragon or whatever at the end of it. So, um, 
you know, there's probably not a whole else to say other than there's just a lot of varied levels. Um, the gameplay is very solid. Control is tight. It's just fun to play. It's a very solid Capcom game. And, um, you know, it's a challenge. Even with unlimited quarters, you know, that you can do on a console, <laughs> it's still a challenge to beat that game. Um, you know, they don't make it easy on you. And, uh, but, you know, after you play it for a while, you get pretty good at it. You can have a good time. And, uh, you know, it that Capcom arcade cabinet collection is pretty cheap. You, you can get, and, and again, I'm sure you can, you know, play it on MAME or, or uh, probably a lot of other collections that are out there as well. So I would encourage you, if you have, you know, you want to little go back to some of those solid games, um, check out Black Tiger. It's really good. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure I've played that one. Yeah, I'd highly recommend it. I mean, it's really well done. If you like kind of like Rastan or those kind of games, it's not exactly the same, but has that sort of feel, you know, to it. So uh, it's really good. It's very, very classic Capcom kind of game. Yeah, so. the, the the good old days. Yeah, yeah. So and it's cheap. So go have some fun, you know. Check it out. Very nice. So what are we on three? I don't know if I didn't really number these. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm just gonna go to the third, on my list okay. in no particular order. Um, this game is currently available for the PlayStation Three and the PlayStation Vita. Um, and it was just recently announced that it's going to be available for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Xbox 360, and the Wii U as well. Um, this is a, an action platform that came out last year. It's called Guacamelee. I've heard of it. Guacamelee is a Metroidvania game. <laughs> You're on a kick. And, is that it? And it is. It's the last Metroidvania game on my lists. Um, it is fantastic. It is. Uh, you play a wrestler. Uh, uh, or sorry, you play an agave farmer who wants to be a luchador. Um, but you know, you're, you're, you're just not, you know, you're not, uh, you're an agave farmer. Um, so, uh, the bad guy, Carlos Calaca, uh, he kind of like comes over the world and like, kind of like, you know, puts it into like a state of, uh, you know, darkness and everything. Um, and you, Juan, the agave farmer, find this luchador mask and it turns you into this, you know, amazing superhero wrestler. Um, and, uh, that's kind of like, just like the beginning, uh, story. Um, it is super, super, super charming and genuinely funny. Um, both in the dialogue and just in the animation of the characters. Like there's certain characters that come on the screen. I have to tell my wife every, she's like, let me know when that guy's back <laughs> on the screen. I just want to look at him cause he's hilarious. So, um, and there are references to, uh, to Metroid, um, like you actually break, you know, statues to get power ups and there's always a, go a goat in them. And then he turns into like an old man and he's like, Hey, that was my favorite Chuzo statue. <laughs> so, uh, th they definitely know, you know, that they're, you know, uh, uh, you know, Metroid's, uh, the grandfather, but, uh, um, it is a, f it's, it's just fantastic. I mean, if you know Metroidvania games, you kind of know what it is. It's, it's, it's a 2D, uh, side scrolling, um, you know, kind of, uh, uh, action platformer. It's actually got kind of like a beautiful Joe combat thing going. Um, hmm. I don't know if you, get, if you ever played that, yeah. but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very, you know, th there's no weapons. It's just hand to hand combat. So there's like, you know, there's punches, there's kicks, but then there's kind of like, uh, there's, there's combos, um, as well. And certain enemies have to be defeated with certain combos. And they teach that very early. And they, from a very early stage in the game, 
you know what color they associate with what combo. So then when they stick you, like a lot of games, when they lock you in a room, there's like 10 enemies in there and it's just hard and frustrating. It's not fun. They do such a good job teaching you, you know, like almost like, like sub, uh, like, I don't know if it's subconsciously or subliminally, but you just, you know what color equals what combo and what move you have to do. Um, and it's fantastic. Like the, the, the combat is, it's almost like, like Arkham Asylum, uh, level combat. Like it just, like even with 10 enemies on the screen, it flows together so well once you're good at it that it doesn't matter how many enemies they throw at you. Like you can get through it if you do it right. I'd say it's a little bit more difficult than Batman because Batman, you really can just, you know, kill out however many people run at you. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, Guacamelee is fantastic. It's pretty cheap. It's going to be available on everything this year. Um, highly, highly, highly recommended if you like Metroidvania games, super charming, a lot of fun. Um, it was, it, it's one of those games that kind of like hit me and usually I play two or three, you know, things at the same time. Um, this is one that kind of took everything over, spent like a week and a half just playing this game until it was finished. It's great. Cool. All right. Well, maybe I'll have to check that one out when it comes to yeah. some other consoles. And you, I mean, you, you still, you have uh, your Vita still or you got rid no, of it? No, I still have the Vita. Yeah. Um, it's still here. I don't own any game, games for it, <laughs> and I don't think I've charged it up more than once. But uh, my plan is to eventually play some Tempest uh, TXK on it. So Right. All right, I'm going to move again. I've got like another old one here that I'm going to throw out. And uh, anybody that's listened to the show for any amount of time uh, will probably tell me to shut up. But uh, I'm, shut up. I'm going to throw out... <laughs> Uh, this uh, Kumaju Densetsu, I have no idea if that's pronounced correctly, but the Japanese version of Castlevania III. Um, I can't tell you how often I plug this game in <laughs> and play it. Uh, uh, I'm not good enough to where I can just march right through it and beat it like in a setting every single time, um, but I can usually get pretty far just um, for a little bit of time. Usually what I, these days I just kind of go until I you know, get, get beat up a little bit and I kind of turn it off. I'm just really going through and just playing it for the fun. Uh, you know, on weird occasions, I'll sit and I'll go, okay, I'm going to actually sit down and beat this thing. But um, that takes a bit of time. You know, and I picked the Japanese version because uh, it's just, I mean, it's, it's been a lot better. I mean, you don't really need to know Japanese to play it. Um, the only choices you really have to make are whether you want to someone to join you or not. And it's very easy. The first one is yes. The second one is no. So uh, other than that, you know, that's all you need. Uh, can you can you Can you explain just quickly what makes the japanese version better yeah absolutely well first off it uses the vrc6 mapper chip so if you play on a famicom that adds an extra sound channel and i can't really describe to you how much better it sounds than just your average nes game or even like castlevania 3 on the nes i mean you listen to the, the track side by side and you'll just it's pretty amazing stuff that they were they were doing at that time with it um, also, Grant, you know, the, the the thief guy that can stick to walls, in this version, he shoots out his dagger all the time. It's almost like you have infinite, you know, like dagger weapons. And he can shoot these daggers, you know, even when he's holding on to walls. Uh, and so it makes it a lot easier, and he's a lot more versatile in this version. Um, now, he takes a lot of punishment. He gets hit, he takes a lot of damage. But um, the ability to kind of stick into weird places and then shoot, uh, even though it's not really powerful, I think lends a lot to it and makes him a really 
excellent character play the game through and and uh you know i i imagine you know they probably changed that to make it a little more difficult because it might seem broken but um i love it it's just you know it's a fantastic game the music's wonderful um yeah i don't know i just can't say enough it's a fantastic game if you don't own it, it's not that expensive um even picking up a famicom is not crazy expensive and there'll be a retron 5 out soon so you'll have no excuse Go, go what do you what do you what would you say ballpark you can find this cart for? Like twenty bucks. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean like twenty dollars. So I mean, you know, if you're talking NES games, that's nothing, right? So right compared to some of the ones that are out there. Yeah. Yeah. If you want one of the best eight bit NES games to play, you know, spend twenty bucks. You know, it's great. You'll you'll thank yourself. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's it's been on my list. Uh, for a long, long time, so uh, I, I'd love to own a copy eventually. Um, I know I'm not, uh, I'm not like I think my original plan was to try to finish Castlevania, um, but I keep getting to the level with like the dragon skeletons, and uh, that's about as far as I can get because <laughs> I'm not, I'm not great. I love playing the game, I'm not great at it, so uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working on it. Uh, I, and I'm curious to play the Japanese version of uh, one because of the, uh, the uh, music. Um, you know, the Japanese version of one, music-wise, is pretty much about the same. The only real That's advantage you have is if you're playing the disc version, you can save. That's what you were telling me, yep. yeah. Um, now, the music in two, it's a bit different. Um, you know, in the disc version is quite a bit different music-wise, mm-hmm. but the first one's pretty much about the same. And They actually did make uh, the first Castlevania on a cart in Japan, but it came out very late in the... Life cycle system, and it's very expensive. It's like a hundred, hundred plus. Wow! And uh, one of the big draws on it, though, is it has an easy mode. So <laughs> a lot of people like that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll. Uh, uh, I don't want to say the word, but maybe I'll find a way to maybe play that soon, <laughs> and just to see what that experience is like for me. Uh, you know, I don't encourage that, but I would encourage that. <laughs> So, okay. <laughs> it's if nothing else. If not, go spend twenty bucks or whatever. You know. Sure. Right. All right. So, what do you got up next? Uh, up next, I have a uh, uh, a game that is available. I, I think on everything. Um, it's I played it on uh, on Steam, uh, but I'm like fairly certain it's on Xbox 360, PS3 as well. It's uh, a kind of like a reimagining of a you know pr- one of the best PC games of all time, uh, XCOM. Um, so this is XCOM Enemy Unknown. Yeah, I remember you telling me about this one. Man, is this game good. And it is... The the one thing it has going against it... Um, you know how... we I've, I've mentioned this a few times. There's games that, like, you say, I'm just going to play this for a minute, and then you can't put it down. This game is absolutely that. Like, you just play a mission, and then you're like, okay, well... Let me just spend all the resources that I want on this mission, and then I'll be done. But then it's like, <laughs> I want to play another mission because I'm better now, and I have these new things, and I just want to play one more thing. Um, so it absolutely has that. Let me just play a little bit more. But the like, you don't f- like. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say this a weird way. I was gonna say you don't feel good when you're playing, but that's not the right way to say <laughs> that's, it. That's not it, an advertisement. You f- you feel. You feel very anxious when you're playing it. You never feel like you're in control, which is the point. Like you never like you're never destroying the opposition. You're always just barely making through fights. Okay. And uh and what's amazing about it is you start off with a squad 
And then, like, you know, as you go through fights with them, like, they level up, they level up. So, and, like, over the course of, like, hours and hours and hours, you know, so you're five or six hours in. And then, you know, like, you have, like, this, like, level, like, nine or ten that, like, you've added, like, perks to. Like, you gave them a name. You, like, you know, you've, you've got them all set the way you want. And then you go around a corner because your guy, your guys are kind of, it's a, it's a, um, it's a turn-based strategy game. Um, so the way it works is like you have your squad and it's like you can't see anything around them. And like, so you can move them like kind of one at a time, kind of spread them out. You can kind of keep them together so that they'll be, you know, like, uh, have each other's backs or you can spread them out so you can kind of, you know, like get the lay of the land a little bit better. Um, so there, there's advantages to both. If you spread everybody out, um, it's cool because, uh, then you, you're not kind of getting everyone all, all jammed up together and get hit with a grenade and then everybody dies. But if you spread everybody out, one guy could come across like a tank uh, of, of an enemy and then just get mauled. And you really don't want that to happen. Is it a permadeath so, game? Yes. Oh. So you'll spend, you know, five, six, seven, eight missions, like, you know, with all these dudes getting all leveled up. And if one of them dies, Oh, you just get that feeling like, no. Yeah, and then you go to, like, you know, you go to the barracks, you recruit a new guy, and there are there are perks that, like, you know, when you recruit a guy, he's not level one, because that would be, you know, like, it's, like, as you level up, you can, like, oh, you know, like, you, you hire new, you recruit new soldiers at level three, and it's like, oh, well, that's not the end of the world. Um, but uh, uh, the, the permanent death of your squad means that every move, not even every every mission, every single move that you make the first thought in your head is I, I need to protect this unit. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what lends itself to like your, it's a fantastic game. Like you, it's, you're kind of like in a, in a bunker, it's like a command center and you are kind of like the commander of all these guys. So um, uh, not only are you kind of like watching them, like on the, you know, on the real time tactical screen, but you're also like building the compound. So like once they get like, uh, so you have this like one screen where it's like all the countries in the world and like, they're all asking you for help. Like you're like the UFO defense, you're the XCOM. So like China could be like, Hey, we really need your help. And you're like, okay, well, like, what do you like, you know, and they're offering something. They're like, you know, like, we'll give you two of our scientists if you can like clear this thing out. And you're like, oh, that sounds pretty good. And, and, uh, uh, like Australia over here is like, we'll give you $10,000 if you can save like this area. And a lot like Dragon Age, where you have to make a decision. Um, you can't do both of these things. Right. Like you're going to go to one of these places, um, and the other place is going to like you a little bit less, um, and that's going to impact your you know relationship with that country in the future. And the worst part is if you go to the place, so you piss off a country by not going to them, and then you go to a country and then you don't like fulfill all the objectives, so you don't even get the reward that you wanted because you didn't like fulfill. So like there's ev at every every step of the game, every decision you make, and this is the only, th like, it's a fantastic game and I love playing it, but every decision you make could come back and bite you <laughs> in the ass. And I always, like, when I'm playing, like, Fallout or, like, uh, Skyrim, I know that I'm going to make a wrong decision. Like, oh, I shouldn't have sold that sword. I'll get another one. Uh, you know, like, I probably shouldn't have spent so much money on upgrading, you know, like, runestones or whatever. Ah, uh, whatever. Like, money's out there. Like, those those just like okay you have to upgrade your bunker you have to spend money on like digging this stuff out then you have to like add a satellite so you can see things and it's like okay that's almost all my money and the satellite's going to take two weeks to make it's a huge risk like just given like the consequences for everything in it um but if you like real-time strategy if you like uh or sorry uh turn-based strategy 
if you've ever been curious about XCOM games and why people, you know, constantly list the original XCOM as the best PC game of all time, um, it's been out for over, well over a year now. So I think it's it's probably pretty affordable. I think it's less than twenty dollars on Steam. Um, it's actually an iPad as well, hmm. and I hear that version's pretty good. Um, it's it's very very good turn based. Uh, again, if you're okay with like not really ever feeling like you're in control, um, then uh, I would say give it a try. It's an excellent game. Cool. Well, um, I did have on my list Far Cry Three, but I don't think we need to talk. <laughs> We've already <laughs> talked about that one a little bit, so I'm gonna. Okay, so on to my number one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just give it. I'll go to my last my last one on my recommended list, and that is Connect Party. Um, Ooh, surprise! Yeah, you know the Connect gets so much crap dumped on it. Um, yeah, but, you know, and some of it maybe legitimately so. But I'm going to tell you that if you've got little kids, Connect Party is some of the most fun. Yeah, for you for sure. Keep your <laughs> Xbox around. Yeah, I mean we're talking three, four year old kids. They will. You can have just hours of fun with this thing because Connect Party is just this really very simple collection of they're not even really games. They're just little goofy things that you can do. So, I mean, for example, there's one level where, you know, you're pirates and the way it, <laughs> the way the connect works is, it, you know, you see yourself on the screen and so, you know, maybe it puts like a pirate hat on you and stuff as you walk around. And then there's sand all over your living room or whatnot. And you can scoop <laughs> or kick the sand away and there's treasure, right? You have to find the treasure and open the treasure up. And there's like a parrot that's squawking around. And, you know, there's like another game where, you know, it's just a rainstorm. It's just storming. And like every once in a while, like a you'll get struck by lightning and you turn into a skeleton. Uh, on the screen. And, <laughs> I mean, there's another one where, you know, you're basically like uh, Godzilla, where you're like a giant monster in the city and these buildings are there and you're just kicking and smashing these buildings like in black and white while these planes come and attack you. <laughs> and I mean, there's probably like 20 or so of these, whatever they are, right? They're not really it, it, it Yeah, it almost sounds like the WarioWare of the of you know the Connect uh, side of the world. Yeah, except there's like, like just, no scoring at all. I mean, it's not a winner. It's just it it's just you fire up this thing and you're playing that and you're doing that thing for a while. Yeah, and it unless you pick something specifically, it just goes through like a rotation of these things. So one okay. game comes up, you're playing it for two minutes, five minutes, whatever, kicks off, goes to the next one. So kids it's just like the right amount of time for each one they get a little tired of that one boom loads the next one up and some is of them is this a microsoft product yeah and some of them are so creative like there's this one where i mean they i just i don't there's so many like there's one where you can um it will like take pictures of you and it layers them, right? So you can take multiple pictures of yourself in different poses, mm -hmm. doing different things. So, you know, if you want to be, you know, punching yourself or, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, or it's just, I don't know. I, 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 it sounds. Oh, oh, so wait. So like you kind of, you can kind of pose and then it takes a picture. Yeah. And then, it, and then it leaves just you. Yes. And then you can move and then you can take yes. another picture. I, I get what you're saying. When you said punching yourself, so you can literally be the person taking the blow. And have another you doing yes. the punch. I gotcha. Yeah. 
Um, and again, there's everything to like crazy dubstep music thing. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, just such a good variety. And I would say, you know, and it sounds like you're probably from, if you don't have small kids, you're probably like, I, I would never touch this thing. But bring a small kid in the room and yeah. <laughs> both of you just stand in front of the TV and you'll have fun for, you know, an hour, hour and a half before you finally turn the thing off. And yeah, I mean, it's it sounds uh, it sounds like exactly like what you're describing. Like, you know, you probably wouldn't recommend it to like, uh, you know, just any old gamer. But uh, if there's going to be kids in an area where you want to just like have some laughs for a little while, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, Maddie, my current youngest, she still has to play that game. You know, what I mean, that's what she wants to do, and it's it. There's no controller. There's no nothing, yep. right? Oh no! Oh no! There's a controller. Wait, you, <laughs> you are you the controller. You are the controller. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. There's no kids. Don't have to master any skills. They can just right. have or, fun, or wash their hands. <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> there you go. Um, you want to you want to be eating cake while playing a game? That's how you do it. Yeah. So I can't. Uh, if you have a 360 with Connect, um, or even if you don't, and you've got little kids. You know, it's got to be like dirt cheap, I'm sure. So check it out. Connect Party is it's a lot of fun. We still fire it up. I still keep the 360 with our Connect around just for that. Yeah, a little, little bit of a shock, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, definitely. You'll, you'll be there soon enough, so maybe keep it around. I will. I know, yeah. It's going to be... Uh... It's going to be a number of years before we get to that level. I'm in Target the other day, and uh, did I ever tell you that there's a Wii U kiosk at my Target, and a little red text along the bottom says, oh, the gamepad has been disconnected. Um, and it's not even like an error message. It's like just letting you know the gamepad is like not meant for you to play game. It's just in demo mode. Uh-huh. So I walked through the other day, and for the first time it's connected. And I was like, oh, cool. So I played a little Super Mario 3D Land, which I'd played before, and I really like it a lot. And I fired up uh, Wind Waker, and uh, my wife, who finished trying on clothes, walks by and says, what are you playing, Wii U? And I said, yeah, you know, like, it gets a lot of crap, but, like, honestly, it's going to, the price is going to go down. There's some decent games on it. Like, I'm sure we'll get one. And then she she was like, she was like, uh, 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 well, like, you'll, you'll probably get the next thing for, you know, like, once uh, we have a kid. And I was like, it. it I was like, I think this is the thing. Like, I don't know if, <laughs> right. I mean, he'll, he'll, you know, in four or five, I mean, it's always possible Nintendo in four or five years will say, let's make a new thing. But it seems to be the current model is like, let's ride the thing we have for as long as we can, which, you know, may or may not be that much longer on the Wii U. But uh, I, I do think that uh, uh, the kids are going to dramatically change my, uh, uh, my perception of, you know, like what is fun, you know, fun game time with the kids. It does, and um, and you still have a blast. So, you know, it's it's good. You have to check that stuff out. Good. Yeah. Well, you have anything else on your list? I got one more game that we don't have to talk too long about because it really is just you know it stands on its own. It's an experience. It's an uh, experience uh, more than a game, similar to Gone Home. Um, so there's a PlayStation. Th- I think it's only on PlayStation Three. Um, PlayStation Three game called Journey. Um, which also kind of did well on some of the uh, the best list, best of the year lists. But I believe this game is from a two years ago, not last year. Um, are you familiar with Journey? I've heard of it. I've not played it. Okay, so uh, uh, Journey is a single player game. Um, it is by the same company that made uh, Flower and Flow. 
So uh, also, so you know, it's uh, a com- I forget the name of the company, but they they make very, you know, like uh, uh, you know, things that people could argue like, well, that's not really a game. It's more like just like a thing you could do, and it's like, eh, well, that's that's what they do. So Journey is an experience where you, it's a single player. You play as this very very unique looking character. Um, it's hard to describe. Almost lo- very very interesting. Almost looks like they don't have arms. And they're kind of like teepee shaped, like, you know, kind of the bottom is a little bit longer, like wider than the top. Mm. And there's a scarf on this character and two very pointy legs. And that's kind of it. And like, all you have is like, uh, uh, you know, you can move and you can jump and that's it. So, um, the game very literally is a journey. So, uh, you know, you start off, you're like, you're alone and you just start moving and you're not exactly sure why you're doing anything. Um, but you just keep going like you're on a journey. There is no combat. Um, that's not to say there's not a boss because there is, <laughs> but there is no combat in this game. And you'll see if you ever decide to play it. Um, again, it's not expensive. Most of the games, uh, on these lists, I would say are not expensive, uh, just because they've been around for a while. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's available, both downloadable and for guys like Krabby who don't like having that digital stuff. They did release a physical copy of Journey if you'd rather have, uh, have it on a disc. Um, and I think it actually comes with Flower and Flow, which are both beautiful games as well. Um, but yeah, it's really just, uh, uh, it's just, uh, you know, you, you're moving through this world and it's amazing how much story that they can tell. No text, no dialogue. The landscape almost tells a story, like a little bit like it did in Eco, like, or sorry, uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Both those games actually. So when you play those games, there's not really a lot, like there's a little bit of text and dialogue in those games, but you kind of have to put together what has happened by looking at the state of things as you move through the world. And you can kind of infer like, wow, there's this enormous bridge leading to like kind of like, you know, the mainland and it's been kind of cut off. So like for some reason, this area has been ostracized. So it's kind of like that in Journey, like as you're moving through the world and kind of exploring this vast, vast, vast landscape you kind of have to put together by yourself, like, you know, why, why did this happen? Why am I doing this? What's going on? And you start fighting, you know, like for a game with a, for a game with no combat, <laughs> there's a lot of turmoil and a lot of things that you have to overcome to get through this. And the ending sequence, uh, it's, it's really beautiful. Um, you make it to the, you know, the destination, like what you're moving towards the whole time. Um, it's really, really, really a beautiful game. Um, it's, uh, I highly recommend it. Again, you know, a, a lot of people, when they sit down, they like to shoot things. They like to, you know, like be doing something action based. And I get that. It's, I'm like that too. Um, but if you ever feel like a little bit of a change of pace, um, similar to Gone Home, uh, Journey is just a great, great experience. You could play it in an afternoon. Um, I don't think it's as short as Gone Home, like, you know, two to three hours. I think it's closer to like, you know, between like five and seven or something like that, but you can finish it in a day or two. And it's, it's when it's done, if you're the kind of person who like, when you're done with the game, you're like, you know, there wasn't a ton going on, but it was vastly enjoyable and it was beautiful. Uh, you'll probably have a good time with it. Cool. All right. Well, I wanted to move us into one final stage uh, and talking Ooh. about the games of 2013. Our top 20. <laughs> Maybe uh, talking about some some of the biggest disappointments in uh, playing games is, of 2013. It's an important list to go over. It's, 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 it's never one that gives me any pleasure going over. 
Um, cause you never feel good about pointing the finger at the thing that's not great. I don't think anyone ever sets out thinking, I want to make a bad game. Even if, I mean, even for, even if it's like, you know, if you're motivated by money, like no one ever wants to make a bad game. They just, they just happen. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunately there are some, uh, things you were really looking forward to that turned out to be kind of stinkers. Sure. And, uh, again, kind of keeping in the theme, I mean, these are just things, I played last year, not necessarily that came out last year, but ones that really just disappointed me uh, mm-hmm. when I took the time to play them. So um, I started off last time. What do you have for some disappointments, Bill? Oh, man. Okay. Um, I'm going to start with uh, something that I was cautiously optimistic about, even though it's not the type of game that I normally play. I love 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 skyrim it's you know when i talk when someone says like what's your favorite game of all time i always have a hard time with that question um skyrim's top five i love skyrim um so the elder scrolls online uh which is coming out uh, this year um had a beta recently um that i was invited to and i got to play a little bit of the game and i was very 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 much hoping that it was going to be skyrim but you know as an MMO, meaning there'd be other players in there and like other things going on. Um, so I played, I, I played the beta twice. They had two different weekends that I played it in the first time, played it for a few hours. And I was like, uh, it's, I'm not an MMO guy. I don't know if you are, you know, anybody, you know, I'm not, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an MMO guy. I, I don't, I know they're, they used to be really popular. They're not as popular anymore. I just don't get it. I've tried them. It's not for me. And that's, that's just me. Um, this feels exactly like the two or three MMOs that I tried for like an hour or two each. Um, very fetch questy. I don't feel like the, the dialogue's there. The story is probably there, but like everything I did the first few hours I was playing, it was like, oh, go get 30 of these berries and bring them yeah. back to me. And, and I know a lot of, a lot of betas aren't really real. So I was like, okay, benefit of the doubt. Maybe the game's not like that. And then I start reading like, no, like you're playing the first several hours oh, of the game. That's disappointing. So the second, so the second beta I played again. And, um, the thing is the world of, uh, uh, you know, of the Elder Scrolls is, uh, it's a, it's an amazing fiction, uh, fictional universe story, uh, Cyrodiil, Tamriel, Skyrim, Morrowind. There's a lot of different races, a lot of different storylines. Very, very, very cool, interesting backdrop stuff. Um, what I don't like about the Elder Scrolls Online is just pretty much the fact that it plays like your standard MMO as opposed to playing like an Elder Scrolls game. Um, so, I mean, that's just, and that's just my opinion on that. But uh, I was like, I, I kind of was thinking this might be the first MMO that I can get into. And after playing it, it's like, nope, it's still an MMO, and they're still not for me. Ugh, yeah, that's disappointing. Disappointing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm, I might disappoint you on this next one, Bill. Um, <laughs> you better not. You mentioned this one actually a little bit ago. Uh, Deus Ex: The Human Revolution. Um, no, and I and I to- and I totally get this. Yeah, I I I, t- I totally understand why some people are on this, and I don't argue with them. It, it is. It's definitely not a for everyone game. Yeah, I, I I had purchased the whatever. I don't know if it's the collector's edition one, but it had like an art book and everything that came with it. And I really wanted to like this game, um, mm. but it's just not well built. Um, 
the mechanics don't feel very good when I'm playing the game. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me as to what's gameplay mechanically wise what's happening. Um, some parts are just a little frustrating, honestly. Um, as we kind of mentioned before, the guy that does the voice, right? Not good. I am Adam Jensen. It's, 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 but all the time. And there's no reason, like, you know, you could be in like, uh, like a shop, like buying upgrades and it's like, and everyone else sounds normal. <laughs> yeah. And you work in like this office building as like a security guy at the beginning. And he's like, Hey Adam, what's going on? Well, at one point <laughs> I was thinking that I was going to go down to the coffee room and add some cream. <laughs> like everything he says is ridiculous over the top, crazy voice guy. And uh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and I just honestly, I, and I, I played it through, I beat it. I just didn't have okay. fun. Um, cause like I said, through the whole way, I really wanted to find some point where I went, okay, I get it. Or, okay, I like it. And yeah. I just couldn't I, get there. I, yeah. I think we've all kind of tried that on games that weren't really for us. And the reason we keep doing that is because every once in a while you do find, Hey, I, I, fi- I, I figured it out. I get it now. And, uh, uh, but you know, for me lately, more often than not, it's like, I feel like now that I'm older, I'm like, okay, I think I have a pretty solid idea of what I like and don't like, you know, pretty quickly now. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you a question. Um, one thing as a big fan of the game, um, for, and not talking about the boss fights, cause everyone knows they're not very good. Um, they were outsourced to another company, um, which they actually fixed in the, the, uh, like the director's cut, which is one of the reasons I'm curious to play it. But for me, one of the weird things about it was, um, you know how in a lot of games, where you can kind of like, you know, put someone in a chokehold from behind. Yeah. When you do that, a lot of times you re- you retain control. You know, like yeah. in Metal Gear, you can grab someone and you can pull them around a corner. Right. Or you can keep tapping a button and you can choke them out. Or you can, you know, let them go and then punch them in the back of the head. Like, whatever. Um, one of the things that really struck me as kind of odd is when you come up behind somebody, once you get close enough them for the chokehold... You press a button, and then it actually goes to a cut, not a cut scene, but like it kind of like the view comes off of yep. you, and there's like a little view of you seeing Adam strangle this guy out. And it's, it's weirdly off putting because there could be other dudes in the area, and you don't want them to see what's going on. They're going to snap you back into like a first person point of view. And since you've like, because you choke the guy down, then you put him down, then you kind of like start looking another way. It kind of changes the first person view of, you know, when you go, when you take control of your character again, and it kind of disoriented me a little bit. Yeah, I would agree. Cause it's the same thing like when you're like peeking around some corners, you kind of suddenly snap out to some third person view, right? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of go back into your first person. Um, you know, I think it's just, I just don't know if they had a grand vision for this thing to make it work. Yeah. It seems like a lot of slapped together parts that don't total yeah. up to something meaningful. Well, and let me see if you agree with this, because uh, e- again, even as someone who likes it, I totally recognize there are lots of flaws in this game. Um, I think the main problem with this game is that there's not a number of ways that you can play it. Um, Lots of game, like, you know, Dragon Age, there's a number of ways you can go through that, whether it's de- uh, decisions you make, 
like uh, paths you can choose, like alliances you can make. Far Cry 3, obviously open world. There's any number of ways you can do it, and everything works well on its own. In Deus Ex, it's kind of like the first few hours, like I didn't really like it because I was trying to play it my way, and it's like, oh, you have to play this game the way that they want you to play it, and once you play it that way, you won't necessarily like it, but that's, you know, that's how you kind of have to play it. Um, so that's, that's always kind of the impression I got from it. It's like, oh, no, 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 you have to play it this way. And it's like, uh, I wish I had more freedom. Yeah, it's pretty rigid. And sometimes even what you need to do doesn't always make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the hacking There's mini the- game wasn't any fun. I, I like the hacking, but I'm a weird hacker. Okay. So. I mean, it just, once you kind of understood it, you just always won. I mean, there wasn't really yeah. much of a challenge to it. So it's like, oh, this is just annoying. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah, want to do the it. Other th- yeah. And and that's the thing, like, you know, for a, like, for a game that I like, it's odd that I can come up with so many things that aren't great about it. But I, it's weird. Like, same with Assassin's Creed 1. I really enjoyed it. I played it through to the end, but... I could list off a whole bunch of things that aren't great about it. It's it's it falls in that weird spot for me that like I enjoyed it while I was playing it, but looking back on it, I'm like, wow, there's a list of thirty things that I wish they would have done better. Yeah, and obviously this is not my I hated these games list because I did. I played all the way through it. It just was disappointing. Sure. It was I wanted I yeah. wanted it to be something better. I got you. Yeah, that, that's probably fair. Yeah. So what do you got up next? Okay, so you said uh, 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 so disappointments. I am going to, and maybe you just weren't as so, disappointed with games as I was. I've got a few. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every time someone mentions disappointments or like disappointing games, the first thing that pops into my head is The Last Remnant. And if anyone's you know you know <laughs> listen to the listen to the show at all, they kind of we've talked about that. I it's not something I've played in the last several years. I played it a long time ago, but. I guess if you're talking about disappointing video games, it just bears, you know, mention in that conversation. Um, I don't know. And the thing is, I probably didn't, I built it up in my head a lot just because it was a square, you know, RPG, uh, in the style that I was hoping that I would get. And, uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it because it was really, 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 really bad. Um, but actually on a side note, someone, and I'm really sorry, I forgot the exact person who said it said something in one of the threads after the last show, we were talking about like badly named square RPGs yeah. and they said, dude, seriously, give infinite undiscovery a try. It's actually really, really good. So from the, uh, the negativity of uh, the last remnant, maybe we'll uh, get something out of uh, infinite undiscovery. <laughs> maybe. Um, but, but honestly, yeah, I mean, it's again, maybe it's just, and I, and I know that uh, I'm still a couple of years behind you, but I really feel like as I get older, um, I have a much better idea of what I like and don't like. And, uh, and you know, I, I really feel like I'm making, you know, more, uh, you know, kind of calculated purchasing decisions with my sure. games. And and actually, the last, like, six to eight months, I've just been, re- like, I kind of get to this point where I was trying to get to my backlog. And I was like, okay, here's all these games that I own that I haven't played. And I started playing them. And I was like, okay, I really don't like this game, so I'm not going to play it anymore. I used to play, you know, I was like, whatever, I'm going to play it until I'm done with it because I bought it. Um, 
I don't have time for that. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I only have time. I only have time to play good games. If there was a list of games I hated that I played last year, Alpha Protocol would have been in there. But uh, <laughs> the, old, the old Sega. Yeah, I, I spent about an hour yeah. on that one. But um, well, just I want to throw a couple, and again, we don't have to dwell on these yeah, a whole it. awful lot. But um, I know I'm probably again I'm going to get some hate from you on this one, but um, Borderlands Two. Yeah, you're just wrong. <laughs> oh, this game is great. Yeah, I really just, I don't know what it was. I beat Borderlands 1. Had a lot of fun. And did you enjoy it? Played the DLC. It was good. I won't say I okay. loved it. It was good. This one, I, gosh almighty, I just felt like I have just kept pushing myself to try to go through it. And eventually I just gave up. I mean, honestly, I, I got pretty doggone far. I'm probably not too far from the end. Right. I just, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I'm like, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't care, honestly. Did you, did you, so, um, was, do you think it was the, uh, well, first of all, did you play alone? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did too. Um, for the most part, I will say that this game is only the way that pe- like when people talk about how great this game is, they're talking about playing with four people. Um, the first game I played almost exclusively with four people. The second game, now that I'm old and don't have a lot of people who are friends with me on the, on Xbox or on Steam even, um, I played Borderlands 2 major- the majority of it by myself. I didn't think the experience was as good as Borderlands 1, but I really think that has to do with the fact that I played it alone. I think that the environments were great. I think the, you know... The, the shooting's great. The enemies are great. The writing's great. It was very funny. I don't think Tiny Tina is as funny as everyone else thinks she is, but I still think the game's very good. Um, now, when you say it's like a grind and you're kind of like pushing yourself, is it just the style of game or just like the whole package you were just done with? I think, honestly, for me, it got to the point where it was like, you know, everything I needed to get out of Borderlands, I got out of the first game. I'm good. Okay. You know, and I, I didn't really need another one. Okay. Um, Interesting. They didn't bring anything new to the table. Um, here's more guns. Okay, good, I guess. Um, none of them seem to be like, this is so awesome. There were some weird, quirky ones in there, uh, like the screaming whatever thing. But uh, I don't know. I just didn't feel like I it, it just didn't need to be. I don't know. I guess that's how I felt about it. I, I wanted to okay. say, okay can we take what we did in Borderlands and, and amp it up or do something great with it? And I kind of just went, Oh, I don't, I just, it's more Borderlands. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, to each his own. Um, I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just, just disappointing to me and, um, I, I probably will just leave it there and, and I won't go on to the inevitable Borderlands three, but, um, that's fine. I'm, B3. I'm sure some people, I mean, I know a lot of people love those games and, um, but I guess I've just found myself, I'm just not one of them, I think on that one. Okay. Well, actually, yeah, I thought of one that uh, I can add in here real yeah. quick, just as a disappointment. Um, I played Assassin's Creed one, thought it was really good or sorry. I thought it was good. I played Assassin's Creed two was instantly in my mind, the best, most improved sequel over and over a part one in history that I have played. Um, love two to death. I played Brotherhood and Revelations, and I kind of got burned out in Assassin's Creed a little bit. I was like, okay, 
they they found a formula that works with two, and they just put out like you know a couple more games in that style. Uh, it's I don't really want to play it anymore. So I didn't play three. I played four, not really knowing a whole lot about it because I wanted to you know get a launch game for Xbox One. Ended up loving it enough to make it my one B game uh, of the last uh, year or so. So I purchased Assassin's Creed three. Just like, okay, like, let me go back and play, like, the one that I haven't played. Um, I put about five hours into it, and I don't think I'm ever booting this game <laughs> up again. I've heard um, that a lot I've, about that one. Man, I've, I've, I've heard from people that it does get better towards the end because, like, all the naval combat that's in four, it's in three. It's just not till very late in the oh, game. That's disappointing. So, um, so I'm about to spoil things. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers on Assassin's Creed 3, but. You know, you've had several years to play it just like I did. So, okay, your time is up. You start playing Assassin's Creed 3 not as the dude that's on the cover. It's almost like a Metal Gear Solid 2 thing. Like, <clears throat> you're going to be playing as Raiden the whole game. You know what yeah, I mean? Oh, yeah. So, um, so they start you playing off as a dude. All right? So, this dude you start playing as, you're like, I know this isn't the guy I'm going to be playing as because I've been, you know... I can look at the cover of the box. Like, I know it's not the same dude. So you figure, okay, this is going to be like a little prologue thing. And you end up playing as this dude for like three hours, like minimum. And like, you're learning all these things. And it's like, they're teaching you stuff. And like, then at the end of the three hours, there's like an M. Night Shyamalan twist. And you're like, what? And then you play as the dude you're going to be playing as. But it's like... You were like unlocking checkpoints. You were like buying stuff. You were doing all these things, and none of that carries oh. over. Like after this little prologue bit, like they don't explain to you. No, don't do that stuff. That's not good. Um, so, so besides that little thing being weird, you know how there's some games that absolutely will not let you play them. <laughs> this game doesn't want to let you play it. Like it is a glitchy mess. Is that? No, 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 no. Just cutscene. Oh, it's Metal Gear this Solid is, Four. This is Metal Gear. Like I didn't think anything. This is more Metal Gear than Metal That's Gear. That's bad. You can't go thirty seconds with control of your character without the game. Like, oh, let me take back control of the game for a minute, and I want to play like a twenty-second conversation cutscene oh. that you can't skip. And like, I'm telling you, like, you have to play it to believe. Like this, and like. It's almost like, remember how, like, Assassin's Creed 1, people were like, okay, this game was supposed to be, like, the next big thing, and now we're playing it, and it's like, I have a laundry list of problems with it. It's like they took that list and was like, okay, this is going to be our fixed plan for Assassin's Creed 2, and they did it. I feel like they took all the criticisms from 3, and we're like, okay, we have to go back to what people love about the series, so let's fix this thing. And 4 is the best Assassin's Creed game. Um, which is so weird how like these games are like made by the same studio and can be so wildly inconsistent. <laughs> but Assassin's Creed Three, no good ski. Okay, all right. Well, I'll know. Uh, no to avoid that one. No problem. Yeah. Oof. <sighs> this next one is another one of those I really wanted to like it. I really did. <laughs> um, and I even had this lined up, and unfortunately, I paid full price for this thing because I had a friend Ruh-roh. lined up to play it with. Uh, um, let me guess. Yeah, I'm gonna guess. Okay, was it Grand Theft Auto Five? No, God Almighty, no! <laughs> I don't play that. No. Um, 
Dead Space 3. Ooh, because you love you some 1 and 2. I do really like the Dead Space series 1 and 2. I didn't De- know you didn't like 3. Uh, what's that? I, did, I don't think we've had the conversation about you not liking 3. I didn't know this. Yeah, I like I said, not. I didn't hate it or anything. It's just disappointing. You finish um, it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, well, that's it. It's kind of a co-op buddy game, right, where you mm-hmm. can play through um, with two players co-op all the way through it. And that's the way I did it. I've got a um, a friend, and and her and I, you know, are usually up late at the same time. She likes to play Xbox. All right, so we both like Dead Space a lot. I'm like, all right, great. Let's order this. We'll get it day one. We'll play through it together. And we did. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just the whole thing is um, okay. Well, we've taken the cool, creepy space stuff. We're throwing you on a frozen planet. All right, so you're not in creepy space. You're on a frozen planet. Are you sure you weren't playing Lost Planet Three? Felt felt like a Lost Planet game. Okay. Um, and you know, like the weapon system you used to have. Well, no, we've scrapped that. Now we've got this crazy build-your-own weapon system. Um, which is good, bad, and otherwise. I don't know. It just felt like didn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just added extra layers of crap on the game <laughs> and. The co-op parts, you know, you have your the two characters, right? You have um, your main guy, God, for whatever reason, I can't remember his name, Isaac. Isaac. Yes. And then you had Carver, which is this second new guy that's a part of this story that you're going through. And so just the way we started playing through it, I said, okay, who you want to be? So she wanted to be Carver, the new guy. And I'm like, okay, I'll be Isaac, right? Because mm-hmm. once you pick it, you're playing the whole game through with your partner as that mm. character, right? Um, so Isaac, you know, is the guy from all the other games. He has been through this series of events. He kind of knows what's going on and how these things work, right? How, mm-hmm. how it messes with your mind and everything. And I don't want to spoil the whole Dead Space series because one and two are fantastic if you haven't played them. But Carver's new to this, right? He has no idea. So here's the biggest letdown for me. Isaac, knowing what he knows, his game is basically just a straightforward kill the aliens game. Carver, on the other hand, has all these experiences that are related to this stuff that goes on in the game. So he has all these visions and separate things that are going on. And there are these hallucination things that Carver and the person playing Carver can see. But me as Isaac, I'm just standing around in a room, <laughs> staring at a wall. Um, so there are lots of these places where that's it. As Isaac, it's like okay, either it's sit and stare for a while while she goes through and does all this stuff or, or Carver and or like a couple spots where it's oh i've got to defend while you know this character's off kind of doing this different thing i have to try to defend and oh it just and we played all the way through it you know all the way to the end and um the story really wasn't as solid as the other ones mm-hmm. um and I don't know. I was always half tempted to ask her if we could play through again because they have like modes that unlock, and there's one mode that's a lot like the combat systems from 
the other games where it's fixed guns and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I was kind of tempted, but really at the end, I just like, uh, I, I think I've just had enough. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, just, I think it was just, that's, I don't want to do it again. And it's interesting to hear you have, uh, you know, that kind of reaction to this game because it looks like it was pretty, for the most part, well received by almost everybody. It's not, not the same caliber of game. Just isn't. Okay. Um, it it almost sounds like it's not even the same type of game. It functionally is a dead space game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still third person combat. You know, it's just um, they just it's like uh, they just couldn't lay left well enough alone. I mean, the good thing about the dead space games was the really creepy atmosphere and that tension that you have mm-hmm. and they just kind of went some other direction with it where it's like, okay, these enemies are tough, but they're really just kind of annoying tough, you know? And <laughs> are, you oh, still got... shooting, are you still shooting limbs off? Yeah. Okay. But like these new enemies are just really, they're just a pain, right? There's, Cause, and there's humans in this one too, that you have to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like the weapon crafting system just didn't need to be there. It was just okay. a whole extra. And the problem is like, okay, so you have to go to the, the bench like in the other games, to upgrade your stuff. Well, in this one, you have to go there and, like, build your weapons from scratch. <laughs> Let me tell you, that's nonstop fun when your co-op partner is busy building their weapons. You're staring into space, mm. waiting for it to get done. Yeah. And then, oh, you're done? Great. Why don't you stare into space for 10 minutes while I do mine? <laughs> I mean, it was just not well thought out. It just wasn't great. And it's, again, just disappointing. I wanted it to be so much more, and I'm really afraid that it maybe have just killed the series off. So, yeah, I did. Figures. Yeah, I did read that it uh, uh, it missed, uh, even though it was a, a pretty high selling game when it came out. It did miss the sales forecast that uh, EA had set out for it. So, usually, that's uh, you know, if something blows the sales forecast numbers out of the water, that's when they start thinking sequel right away. If it doesn't. Uh, like if if you, I keep reading that uh, Activision keeps saying like no 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 we do another Guitar Hero like we're just waiting, you know just uh, want to see you know wait for the right time. <laughs> no, like, they won't. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine that that trend coming back. Yeah, that's um, at least maybe not for a very long time. I think. Yeah. Um, maybe a rock band could pull off, but even with their sales numbers for three, I think it's. It's played out a little bit, which yeah. is a shame. I really yeah. I mean, it, Rock yeah, Band. Th- yeah. Rock Band Three is one of those games that forever I played it at least once a week. Like even if I just like grab the guitar, threw a song or two on, um, it's and it's one of those games that I can legitimately see myself, you know, breaking out the old system like fifteen years from now and playing that game. Uh, it's I mean, because it's it's the music. I mean, like the the game part of it is you know. It is what it is, but like, you know, like just like getting together with some people playing some music on those like, you know, silly instruments, it was, it's never not fun. Right. Yeah. There's just never, ever been a time when like three or four people came over, you kind of cycled through some songs. What do you want to play now? And you played another one. Like it's, we used to have, you know, parties where you'd have like 10 people over, half would be upstairs, half be downstairs, you're having some beers and like you're just playing rock band. Like that game is like, people forget how amazing that game was. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't uh, I couldn't see another one happening. But I'm fine with three. Yeah, I'm going to toss out a couple of little quickies, and then I'm going to be done with my disappointments. Uh, okay, yeah, go for it. 
the couple of these are just odd. Um, one of them is Spartan X2 for the Famicom. Um, Spartan X is what Kung Fu was over there, which I love Kung Fu, right? That game's awesome on the me, NES. Me too. It's uh, What's wrong with Spartan? Spartan X2 is just this really garbage sequel that doesn't even feel at all. I mean, it, I guess it, mechanically you're still running and beating guys up a little bit, but it's just... It's short, it's bad, and it's expensive. So my mm. my recommendation is just don't. Um, unless you're collecting to collect. Uh, it's an expensive cartridge, and it's, boy, it's just not worth it. So <laughs> steer clear of Spartan X2. And uh, last one I'll dig at real quick is just, man, Streets of Rage 3. Come on, man. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, oh. uh, t- 2 we had uh, the discussion about, obviously, but be uh, a 3, I... I can't remember ever meeting anyone who said that it was a good game. No, no, it's just, and having to play through it again, as <laughs> part of the playthrough, it's going like, uh, you know, and I, I just gave up after a while. I'm like, I don't even care if I get on the board or, or get points. Or, I just don't want to play this again. It's just bad. Uh, but uh, but that wraps me up. Anything else you've got you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's not really a ton. Like I said, you know, like uh, uh, it's it, the when you talk about disappointments, it's something that you're really looking forward to. You're really going to be invested in. You make that initial purchase, and then right, right. like like Last Remnant was that for me years ago. Sounds like Dead Space Three was that for you this year. Um, there really isn't anything that when you say it that way is kind of like a standout um, for me, um, which I guess is a good thing um, for, uh, you know, like not playing anything that really was kind of a letdown. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if there's like, there's like, there's a handful of games that I played through to the end and liked. And then when I kind of looked back at them, I was like, uh, they kind of dragged on towards the end or like, you know, this or that, but I don't think anything that really, you know, bears me, uh, you know, poo-pooing on it in this segment. Okay, good. Well, um, you know, from our listeners, what I'd like to hear is, you know, what did you think of our top five picks? You know, did we do well? Did we, are we crazy? Did we not come up with a good list? And um, maybe what were some of your disappointments? Yeah. Right. Uh, What, what did you play through in 2013 that maybe let you down? And if you haven't played anything on our top five and you decide to play the stuff on any of the things we talked about, um, I'd be very curious to see if you think that uh, we're right, if we're super crazy, um, or uh, if we mention on a disappointment a game that you really love. I'd love to hear why you love it, and not to tell you that I think you're wrong, but just to really see, you know, like what it is in the game. Because people see see things differently, obviously, all the time. So uh, uh, that's something that I'm I'm curious about. If you like love a game that we hated. Yeah, I would like to hear that too. So, you know, um, post in the show thread or hit us on Twitter or Facebook. But, yeah, let us know. Are we full of it or uh, did we hit the nail on the head? I think we hit it. (laughs) I think so too. Pretty sure we hit it. Well, thanks everybody for listening to another hopefully exciting episode of the RF Generation Collector Cast. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, I've, 
it's glad, always glad to talk with you, Bill. It's always fun to hear about. Yeah. You, know, you always have some different perspectives in gaming, for sure. Yeah, they're they they're constantly changing and evolving. <laughs> there you go, right? And um, so, just uh, you know, to let everybody know, as usual. So, um, Bill, if people want to talk to us, how can they find us? Um, you can find us on rfgeneration.com slash nothing. <laughs> yeah, like that's the whole site. <laughs> look at, just Google it. Look on the main page. Yeah. Right? Dot com forward slash enter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can also talk to us on Twitter, right? We're at CollectorCast on Twitter. Um, yep. Where else, Bill? Uh, I promise to pay more attention to Twitter. Uh, uh, my new job doesn't allow me the opportunity to uh you know have twitter open um so uh uh that those conversations do replicate over to our facebook page which is uh collector cast uh uh also on mm. uh facebook yeah, absolutely and uh you can also um find the show in a couple different places so you can find us on itunes you can definitely subscribe over there we would really be happy if you would take the time to leave us a review that'd be great yeah they added reviews to the site <laughs> just just now and uh yep. where else where else can people grab the show bill um well where i used to watch Krabby's nes completion videos was on youtube and i feel like youtube is missing one of its uh one of its coolest members he hasn't really posted a, a whole lot of videos lately with all of his uh uh, you know, craziness at the store and everything. But uh, uh, he, I think actually he's just getting to the point where he can get that first batch of 30-day hold stuff going. So we'll, we'll let him off the hook. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, you can find all of Krabby's old stuff. You can find our stuff and shows there on YouTube. So mm -hmm. if you'd rather subscribe that way, you can. We're also on Podomatic. So Podomatic.com, mm -hmm. uh, they have an app now. So you can get the Podomatic app if you want to listen to us that way. You can do yeah. that. And there's also, another phone app, right? Well, there's. Uh, I was going to mention CollectorCast.com. And, oh, yeah. uh, and if you have an Android phone or any app that uh, uses RSS feeds, the RSS feed is right on CollectorCast.com. So you just point your app to uh, that uh, main site. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think last but not least, we're on Stitcher, Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher Smart. So feel free to um, hit us up there. And I think there's a discount code. If you put in the discount code RF Generation, I think it's free. I think it's free anyway. <laughs> no, you have to put in the discount code. Oh, yes. Sorry. Put in the discount code. That's yeah. important. <laughs> <laughs> also, yeah, the iTunes discount code is just the review button. Yeah, there so you go. Five stars. That'll get you yeah, for free. Five stars listen free. To the show. I think the four-star review, it costs like $8 to download after that. <laughs> Last but not it? least, something I'm not very good at mentioning, but I probably need to get better at mentioning because... Pickle. Uh... Well, I don't know. It's even I haven't even checked if Podcast Pickle is still around. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. I was going to mention that we do have a PayPal donate button. Ooh. So um, if you go to CollectorCast.com, if you like the show, you want to support the show, there's a PayPal donate button that's right there. Um, I would just encourage you folks. Um, I mean, obviously, it doesn't cost anything to listen to the show, but it does cost a little, not a huge amount of money, but it does cost a little bit for us to make it. So um, if you'd like to support us, we'd really appreciate it. Um, honestly, if everybody that just downloaded the show in one month donated a buck, we would be set for years. Yeah. 
So um, well, we, we we'd probably be set for a year. Um, and I I think there was at some point we were doing like a, a like a drive. Um, we had like you know prizes and stuff, but uh, but really, um, you know, we, it's I think it's way easier just to give a buck like once in a while than it is to try to you know ask people to give ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty dollars, you know, sure. like during a month span. So uh, yeah, like hit uh, hit the button, throw us a buck. We appreciate it for sure. Um, I mean, it's 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 our free time, and we don't mind doing it. Um, but uh, you know, it's uh, it really helps with uh, some of the you know, some of the hosting, some of like the expenses of like cables and mics that come up, like as stuff kind of like wears and breaks. So, uh, it's uh, definitely, definitely appreciate it if you can throw a buck or two. Absolutely. Yeah. We, um, we appreciate it. And heck, even if not, we'll, we'll keep doing it anyway. But, um, sure. Any help. Don't tell them that. Appreciate it very Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, donate now or we're going away. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, poor guys. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, thanks everybody for taking the time to listen and uh, we'll we'll catch you next time. See you.